The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome everybody to Wrestling Omakase. Take three. Uh, this is our annual year-end award episode. One of my favorite episodes of the year. We got a ton of guests on here to go through. Uh, all the best and worst stuff from 2020. A truly terrible year that still had lots of great professional wrestling and lots of bad professional wrestling. And we're going to get into all of it here today. So let's start out here by introducing a current, not former. No one's going to get that joke, but suit will get it. A current member of Voices of Wrestling, uh, a uh, Voices of Wrestling guest uh, on Wrestling Omakase M- many times. I think you've been on this year-end award episode, too, before, right, So, I believe so. I think either once or twice. Yeah. I, I can't remember if last year was the one where my computer... No, that was the draft where my computer died. Yeah, there's a lot yeah, of that going on. Yeah, I should uh, be good today. Fully charged. <laughs> but uh, welcome back to the show, Suit. Uh, Thank great you. to have you here as always. Also back here, uh, not a Voices of Wrestling member, but a great guy nonetheless, and a uh, another repeat guest from year and awards prior, uh, Mr. Mongo underscore ebooks. Hi, Mongo. How's it going? Good. I'm excited to do this again. You get your bow every year by being on the year end award episode. <laughs> and then I'm never on another episode. <laughs> it works for you every year, so why why uh, why stop now? But thanks for coming back on, Mr. Mongo. Uh, also back from the One Wrestling Podcast, TJ. How's it going, TJ? Uh, pretty good. What's up, John? Glad What's to be up? back for a, uh, I think it's like my third year in a row doing this, at least my second year in a row. So glad to be back for the year-end awards. Uh, thanks thanks for coming back. And a, another Voice of Wrestling contributor, someone making his year-end award debut, uh, where it's like 7 in the morning where he is. Hi, Harley. Hey, how you going? I'm uh, I'm looking forward to breaking my award show virginity as I broke my omakase virginity about three months ago. 
Yeah, you were on what one of the G one episodes, I think right? The first G one, the yeah, first yeah. G one, yeah, yeah. So that, obviously, they got you a ballot, and now here you are to do the year end award episodes at the crack of dawn. So there you go. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for coming on, and finally, uh, another voice of wrestling contributor. I think you've done these year end award episodes before, but you can correct me if I'm wrong. It's Gerard. Hi, Gerard. Hi, John. I think I may have been on a year-end awards, but I think I was on a, like a half-year uh, awards Oh, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. That anyway, this is much nicer to do than yelling at my computer, which I've done for the last 40 minutes. So thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, so, yes, we're here to, today to do go through all of our year-end awards. Um, so if you've never listened to a year-end award episode, it's pretty simple. Uh, basically, all the Omikaze guests during the calendar year, which obviously in this case was 2020, they all get a Omakase year-end award ballot. Uh, they're invited to fill it out. It's very similar categories to the Wrestling Observer Awards, except a little bit scaled down. So, you know, less categories. I, I cut a lot of fat, I think, you know. Uh, you know, just way, way less categories overall. But, you know, all the big ones, uh, we have some Category B ones where you make one, one choice each, which a lot of those are worst categories. And then Category A, uh, which is first, second, and third. Uh, where first place gets five points, second place gets three points, and third place gets two points. And then we compile those picks and come up with the overall winners. So all the people on here today did an omakase ballot, so they're going to reveal their own picks. I'm going to reveal my picks, and then I will give you the winners. Now, new for this year, because of course we have the Wrestling Omakase Patreon, uh, where you can sign up for $5 a month at patreon.com slash wrestlingomakase. Uh, this year, Omakase patrons also got their own ballot. So Omakase patrons were able to fill out the exact same awards, uh, but I kept the results separately. So we have results from the guests, and we have results from the patrons. So I will give both of those out at the end, the top three for both. Uh, sometimes they're very similar, and sometimes they're very different. So I like seeing how you know different they were uh, and how similar they were was, was kind of uh, entertaining. So as I compiled them especially. So yeah, that's something we're gonna we're gonna go over. I will be sure to, you know, make sure I mention which is the uh, patron awards and which is the guest awards. But yeah, that's new for this year. Uh, speaking of the Omakase Patreon, uh, Patreon, I mean, I won't go through the whole big spiel because we got a lot to cover. But what I will say is, if you're listening to this on Sunday, January third, uh, and you want to hear post show coverage live on YouTube for both nights of Wrestle Kingdom, uh, the only way you can do that this year, we did it last year for everybody. But this year, it will be for patrons only. So go sign up now at patreon.com slash wrestlingomikaze. Uh, I'll have Chris Samsa on there from Sport of Pro Wrestling. Um, John Hernandez from VOW is going to be on there. Uh, I think one more person, too. <laughs> Which I Actually, no, I think that might be it. Uh, anyway, <laughs> the point is, uh, John and Chris, maybe one more person, but it's not 100% confirmed. Uh, so, but definitely the three of us will be on there to, to break down uh, Wrestle Kingdom 15 at the end of each night, live on YouTube. Uh, if you're listening to this as a free feed person, you will get to hear both shows eventually. We'll combine them into one show like we did last year on the free feed, but it'll, it won't be until Saturday. So if you want to hear our you know, hear our thoughts right after the show's end, uh, the only way to do that is to sign up for the Patreon at patreon.com slash wrestlingomikaze, and you will get the YouTube link off of there immediately after the show's end. So we'll be streaming live on there for you to listen to. Okay, uh, let's get right into these awards. We're going to start out here with the worst weekly TV show. 
So when we do these awards, I always like to start with the worst awards and get them out of the way first, and then work our way up to the uh, best awards. So worst weekly TV show, uh, not a hard category for me personally. I gave it to WWE Raw. Um, just a horrendous television program on so many levels. And I, I try to tell everybody to be brief on these worst awards. I will not. I will not try not to defy my advice. Uh, but what, what what I will say is, I mean, I did not watch Raw every week. I have to say that first of all. I don't think most of the people who voted this watch it every week. Uh, but, like, every time I turned it on, it was quite possibly more horrible than the last time I turned it on. And just, like, I don't know. I've talked a lot about there was this one segment that I even saw people praise with Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre. Like, it just it looked like two, like, terrible play actors and, like, a Shakespeare in the Park fucking skit just, like, reciting monologues at each other, just didn't... I, I could not believe how terrible it was. Um, just, and that's what they seem to lean into, these really terrible, like, monologues during these during those empty arena performance center shows. And then they went to the Thunderdome, and it became, like, actually unwatchable to me, not, like, the joke way people say it, but, like, it hurts my eyes to watch that. Like, it really just... It, like, the screens and the lights and everything going off, it just... It is actually unwatchable to me. So yeah, Monday Night Raw, terrible television show. That was my vote. What do you what'd you give a horse weekly TV show to suit? Uh yeah, I can't argue with that. Monday Night Raw, the flagship. Terrible. <laughs> uh Mongo. Um, even though I have not actually watched Raw this year, I've seen enough videos on YouTube and uh enough Raw Undergrounds and Fiend sketches. Uh, that my vote was for Monday Night Raw. Uh, TJ? Uh, no surprise, my vote was also for Raw, but I think I've watched less than a dozen episodes of Dota ETV this year, so mostly just what I see online. So, yeah, just Raw, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Hardly. Um, without watching a second of it, I voted for Raw. <laughs> okay. Any particular reason? Um, again, the... The clips online. I could have. I could have honestly voted for any WWE show, but I just thought from the everyone complaining in the Slack, from watching the clips, it just looks completely irredeemable. There you go. And Gerard, I think you're making a clean sleep here, but I could be wrong. Uh, yeah, I also voted for Raw, and I submitted my ballot before Alexa Bliss dumped gasoline all over herself. <laughs> that was the most bizarre fucking shit of all time, probably. Uh, yeah. So Raw, clean sleep here with our uh, with our guests on the line and it also of course won the award for the third straight year uh this category started back in 2018 so we did not have this category in the first one in 2017 uh raw takes first place for 25 votes uh nxt second place for four votes impact and smackdown tie for third with two votes each the only other uh the only other shows that got even a single vote were new japan strong and being the elite both got one vote each uh over on the omakase patreon really no difference at all 22 votes for Raw, 3 for SmackDown. Nothing else got more than one vote. So Raw, quite terrible, and it does sweep the awards again. Uh, Okay, so now we get to Worst Major Show, which uh, there should be more different votes here. Um, So I did not watch any WWE Major Shows this year after February. I have to say that first of all before I announce my vote. And I did not think the Royal Rumble or the the Elimination Chamber were that terrible. But I just I completely gave up on their pay-per-views. Once they went empty arena, I never watched WrestleMania or anything. Just it was not, has no appeal to me to watch WWE. But the, like the entire entertainment value of WWE is like seeing how the crowds will reject these shows. And 
Obviously, that goes away. So what I voted the worst major show of the year was AEW All Out, uh, September 5th in Jacksonville. Um, you know, I thought AEW's pay-per-views this year were very up or down for the most part. I liked uh, Full Gear was good. Double or Nothing was okay. Revolution was good. But All Out was, I just thought, was a pretty terrible show other than, uh, you know, the, the, the Moxley MJF main event was really good. And that was the only redeeming thing on the show. The rest of the show I thought was quite terrible. So my vote for Worst Major Show... Again, with the caveat that I didn't see any of these other WWE shows that I'm sure were much worse, uh, was AEW All Out. What do you have here for Worst Major Show Shoot? Suit. <laughs> worst Major Show Suit. Uh, my vote for Worst Major Show of the Year is WWE Money in the Bank on May 10th. Um, I'll just run down this card real quick. A nothing four-way tag team title match with the New Day. The Forgotten Sons, Morrison and Miz, and Lucha House Party. Uh, Bobby Lashley beating R-Truth in two minutes. Tamina getting a pay-per-view women's title shot. Braun Strowman beating Bray Wyatt. Not The Fiend, the uh, Mr. Rogers <laughs> one. A rant. Uh, Drew McIntyre defeating Seth Rollins for the WWE title. And then the Money in the Bank ladder matches, which... I may have something to say about those later. Oh, no, I don't. I picked something else for worst match of the year. Yeah, these sucked. Yeah, I we had on uh, um, on my DDT year interview episode, Jamie from Dramatic DDT came on, and he mentioned that the Money in the Bank matches were like the single worst attempt at doing a DDT uh, style of match, you know, the DDT street fight style of match that he'd ever seen. And, yeah, I didn't, I didn't watch it, so I can't comment, but... Uh, they do sound like they were quite terrible. I couldn't make it the whole way through. I tried watching it just so I could like have a legit like view of what could be the worst match of the year. It's like the first wrestling match I couldn't watch yeah. all the way through because it's not a wrestling match. It's just a really bad comedy sketch. And when I saw the Daniel Bryan like, oh, let me let me back out of here, boss thing, and yeah, that was that's I think the only thing I saw from it. Isn't that the thing where they threw the guy off the roof and he he, he lived somehow too? Ray Mysterio and Aleister Black, and they team the next night on Raw. <laughs> awesome, uh, Mongo. What do you have for worst major show? Um, even though I did not watch the vast majority of this show, I voted for the horror show at Extreme Rules. Um, just based on the video of Seth Rollins gouging <laughs> out uh, Ray Mysterio, or I guess pulling out Ray Mysterio's eye. With the the stairs, whatever the hell they did with that incredibly awful looking fake eye, um, and then the incredible audio and video of the Bray Wyatt versus Braun Strowman swamp fight. I mean, of like the AEW shows I watched this year. I mean, you know, I didn't I didn't hate any of them. CMLL had like a boring first show back from COVID, and but I'm I. None of them gave me the kind of visceral hatred of what I was watching than, like, the video of that swamp fight. So, uh, yeah, the, the, the little I've seen of the horror show at Extreme Rules was worse than any of the, the kind of lame GCW or um, CMLL shows I did happen to see this year. Oh, there you go. TJ, worst major show? Uh, mine was, like you, uh, all out from September 5th. This. One, this is a bad weekend for me in general, so I was kind of in a bad mood watching the show, but it was just so long for no reason. I think that was like 
four and a half hours long and usually i can at least get one or two things out of aw pay-per-views that i can sink my teeth into but this had absolutely nothing for me really like the young bucks versus jungle express or jurassic express like the best match of the night i think and i thought it was just good mgf and mox was fine and everything else was mostly bad and matt hardy almost died so that wasn't good yeah i forgot but, about uh, that yeah yeah just, i just did not like the show at all so yeah that's my pick harley what do you have here for a worst major show uh, I, like Suit, also went money in the bank uh, in April when I first went into lockdown, or Australia first went into lockdown. I bought the, the network back to try and, you know, watch some some old wrestling from my from my childhood. And uh, in, in my in my uh, free trial thing, I think Money in the Bank came in that period. And I've never been more regretful in my life that I, I spent watching that pay-per-view that it was again as suit said it's just repeating points but it's just the most cringy attempt at comedy in those money in the bank matches i, I couldn't like it's just not wrestling I, I, I really hate this company uh gerard what did you have here for worst major show i also went the uh, horror show at extreme rules uh, i had watched i think every wwe pay-per-view up to that point uh this year and then i stopped after seeing that i actually totally forgot about the um whole eyeball thing that mongo brought up and i just voted for it basically for that whole swamp stuff and like braun Strowman getting eaten by a gator <laughs> uh okay so the worst major show vote for the guests and the patrons actually oh no the, yeah the patrons too uh was a show nobody voted for here it was wwe wrestlemania 36 night two uh march 26 in orlando that got seven votes uh, second place was a show that mentioned we mentioned repeatedly horror show at extreme rules orlando got five votes uh, AW All Out got in third place with four votes. Then WrestleMania 36 Night 1 in fourth place with three votes. And by the way, I had so many people vote just WrestleMania without specifying a night that I had to go track them down to pick a night. I think all ten of them probably did that. But uh, yeah, they, they, this is what they ended up with. Uh, seven pick Night 2 and three pick Night 1. Uh, the honorable mentions, Money in the Bank got two votes. So both the people on here, I guess. And then the only other non-WWE show to get more than one vote was the All Japan Champion Carnival Night 5, which would have been the block finals on September 26th at Odawara. That got two votes. Uh, the patrons, very similar, except they remembered about uh, Riyadh season, which apparently the, the guests forgot about, because they have a tie for first here. WrestleMania 36 Night 2, uh, five votes. WWE Super Showdown from... Uh, the Saudi from Saudi Arabia, which can't believe that actually happened in 2020, uh, February 27th in Riyadh, that got five votes as well, and then Horror Show at Extreme Rules got four votes. So WWE's fourth straight year winning worst major show. Way to go, guys! Uh, worst promotion, another category they'll probably do very very good in. Uh, what do you have? Uh, well, I, I guess I'll go first. I voted for WWE. I mean, just you know, uh, I, I don't really think there's any competition for this award. To the point where I'm, I'm actually considering banning them from this category next year and like naming it the, I don't know, the War Wrestling Entertainment Memorial Worst Promotion Award because this is the fourth straight year they won. I guess I have to spoil things. It's just like there's really no point voting for anybody else. I mean, they're the, they put on the worst shows. They have the worst policies in every single aspect you could think of. They have non, they had nonstop COVID outbreaks. I mean, no matter what you look at it, no, no matter what way you look at it, they are the worst promotion. I just, I don't think there's any competition. So it's WWE again. Uh, I voted them worst promotion. What do you have? What did you vote soon? Why? Why was it WWE? 
the hope Vince McMahon hopefully memorial worst promotion of the year award goes to WWE. Um, this is the year they fully delved into a parody of pro wrestling. Yeah, very, very, very well stated. Uh, Mongo. Um, I voted for WWE like I'm sure everyone else did. I have to particularly point out the Raw Underground as an incredible example of just putting on the worst possible television that actually made me want to watch clips of it because usually they're just boring. Like the promos are so boring. Roman Reigns talking to Jay Uso in the Hell in the Cell is so boring. But Raw Underground was just such an incredible, bad cacophony of bullshit that I I don't know if I watched all of them, but I watched most of them, and uh, I guess it's better than their usual brand of boring. It was really fucking bad, that is true. Just, um, I mean, I'm watchable because of all the camera cuts, but, like, yeah, it was it was something. That's for sure. Uh, TJ, worst promotion. TJ, worst promotion. I think you're on mute, buddy. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm here. Um, I did not pick Dota, even though I do agree Dota was the worst promotion this year. I just don't care enough about it that it was actually bad. So I voted for All Japan because they pissed me off enough this year, mostly with Enfant's booking in general. But I think their back half of the year was particularly bad. Like, basically, since fans came back, they've been pretty bad in 2020. Kind of looking up in 2021, I think, after these first two Corkins. But, yeah, I voted for All Japan just because they annoyed me more than Dodai did this year. Well, that's... You're, you won't be surprised by who finished second, I guess. I think at some point I, I told people how bad... Like, WWE had, like, was, like, 20 for 20 on worst, worst promotion votes or something. And I think at some point I told so many people that they were running away with it that people started voting for other promotions. So we'll get into the ones, the non-WWE votes eventually. Uh, Harley, who'd you vote for here for worst promotion? Um, I voted for WWE. Uh, I felt kind of weird about this one because they're not really a wrestling promotion. They're just a PR company that does wrestling. It'd be kind of like if a bank started promoting a circus. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I thought I couldn't really vote for anything else but WWE. Uh, Gerard, who'd you vote for? Uh, I voted for WWE, and uh, since so much has been said, I'll just bring up one other aspect that they were absolutely atrocious at. It's just totally misusing talent and blowing all sorts of talent that's supposed to be like can't miss like what happened with Rhea Ripley and everything like that so that alone I think uh, deserves uh, them being worst it is bizarre like the Rhea Ripley one is the one where it's like I don't even understand why you dropped the ball on her it's like she's she's not even some indie geek or anything she's everything you'd think they would want in a female wrestler and they just like ah we can't even push her can't even push her correctly I was like okay uh, the Braun Strowman problem. <laughs> yeah, too. That's true too. I mean, they just don't know how to do this anymore. That's all it comes down to. Uh, so yes, WWE did win worst promotion overwhelmingly. Twenty six people voted for them. Second place, All Japan Pro Wrestling got five votes. So uh, that is actually no, not as bad as last year's second place. ROH got seven, but uh, you know, definitely not a not a good year for All Japan. And then I'll just list off all the promotions that got one vote. There were a bunch of other ones. Uh, AEW got one vote. ICW NHB, I don't even know what that is, got one vote. Uh, CMLL got a vote, GCW, Send That Girls, Gato Move, Stardom, and Impact. Uh, if you're thinking who the Gato Move, uh, cho- he put down Gato Move, Choco Pro. If you're thinking who that is, uh, you're probably right. I would just say that, who the, God, the Gato Move voter was. Uh, as far as the Omikase Patreon, 
Very similar. 28 people voted for WWE. Uh, two people voted for All Japan. Those are the only promotions to get more than one vote. Okay, we go over now to Worst Feud, which was a far closer category, still very WWE-dominated. Um, I went back and forth on this one. I was thinking originally MJF versus John Moxley, because I thought that feud with all those fucking, uh, you know, all those, that stupid fucking campaign bullshit was just so horrible every time I saw it. But at the end of the day, I did really like the match they had it all out. So a feud that, a, a really bad feud that culminates in a really good match, like, a, you know, I went four stars on that match. Um, I can't give worse feud. So I changed my vote to uh, Bray Wyatt versus Braun Strowman, which I just thought was horrendous from start to finish. And, you know, I doubt, I, I didn't see the actual matches, but all the segments I saw were, oh, actually, no, I did watch the, I watched the SummerSlam match, which was horrible. Uh, just one of the worst matches I've ever seen all year. Uh, and yeah, I mean, like all that fucking cinematic universe bullshit and everything else, just horrible segments every week. Uh, it just a horrible, horrible feud. So that's what I voted for, Bray Wyatt. Versus Braun Strowman from WWE. Uh, go ahead, Suit. What did you vote for Worst Feud? Uh, I can't blame you for almost going Moxley MJF because that should have been better. But again, the match was really good. Uh, I did the same thing. I voted Strowman Wyatt. Um, yeah, just terrible, terrible, terrible. And I'm, I was never so happy to see Roman Reigns in my life <laughs> than at the end of that SummerSlam match. Uh, Mongo, what did you vote for Worst Feud? I originally was going to vote for the Randy Orton-Bray Wyatt feud because, it, you know, of where it is right now. And I, I think I'd written it down, and then I remembered that the Seth Rollins-Rey Mysterio feud might still be going on to this very day. It started with a feud to gouge out someone's eye, and then it became a bizarre angle about uh, Buddy Murphy dating Ray's 19-year-old daughter. Or... <laughs> and I, I, I know it was still going on in November. I, I have not given any, any attention to SmackDown in the last month to see if it's still going on, but I'd have to say that feud lasting for six months, I, I mean, as bad as other things were in, like, short short bursts that that feud just that's an incredible feud uh tj what do you vote down for worst feud i did actually vote for mjf versus john moxley because well, well my actual vote was every mjf feud but if i had to pick one it's this one because whoever thought doing a political like campaign bullshit during the 2020 election like being a smart idea was just very wrong i'd say at least and i didn't enjoy the match as much as you do so or you did so Match was fine, and the feud sucked, so that was my vote. Uh, Harley, what did you ha have here for worst feud? Uh, I just put up all the uh, WWE feuds on a wall and threw a dart at them, and that one landed on Bray Wyatt versus Braun Strowman. There you go. Gerard, what did you put for worst feud? Uh, Bray Wyatt versus Braun Strowman. I still can't get over that swamp match, especially with the whole Alexa Bliss ghost thing in it. Uh, there you go. Okay, so the results, not surprising, I guess, given what everybody here said. Bray Wyatt versus Braun Strowman is the winner with seven votes. Uh, a close second place to see a Naito versus Evil from New Japan with six votes. Uh, it's the only feud in the, in the worst feud category that will show up again in the best feud category, so very divisive. Uh, then we have third place, The Fiend, Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton, uh, four votes. And tie for fourth, uh, Okada versus Yujiro. And Jericho versus Orange Cassidy, both three votes. 
your honorable mentions, MJF versus Moxley, which we talked about as well, and Young Bucks versus FTR, both got two votes. Uh, similar results in the Patreon, except uh, one of these feuds jumped up a bit. Wyatt versus Strowman won with eight votes, Naito versus Evil, and Okada versus Yujiro tied for second, both with six votes. So there's your worst feud results. Okay, the worst match of the year. Uh, this is, of course, obviously just the absolute worst match that took place in 2020. Uh, we might hear a bunch of different picks here, maybe, because 21 different matches got at least one vote, and a crazy nine different matches got at least two votes. Uh, just kind of crazy, again, in a category that a lot of people skip, too. Like, people, you know, a lot of people don't like to give their votes for, wor- for any of the worst categories. Uh, I voted for a weird one that nobody else but me voted for, but it was the worst match I can remember seeing this year, which was a tag team match on an episode of Dynamite. Uh, Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc versus SCU, Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky uh, from May 27th. Uh, I just thought Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc did possibly the worst selling in this match I've ever seen in a major league professional wrestling match. And the fact that it was both of them doing it, not just one of them, like, it just really stood out to me that, like, I don't know, Kip Sabian appeared to think that pro wrestling selling should mean look like I'm really constipated, and Jimmy Havoc... Uh, also seemed to go to that school uh, of constipation and selling. So just really, really horrible. And just it was like a 10 minute tag, but that match stood out to me in my brain when it came to the end of the year. And again, I didn't see a lot of these cinematic bullshit WWE stuff. So this was the one that stood out to me as like the worst match I saw in 2020. Uh, give me your pick for worst match suit. One final beat. Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa. It was a parody of the NXT main event style that eventually became the NXT main event style. And then it introduced Karrion Cross, who sucks too. There you go. Mongo, what's your pick for worst match of the year? I voted for the Jey Uso versus Roman Reigns Hell in a Cell match. I, As I've said, I don't watch WWE, but I saw so many tweets of, has this match started? Blah, 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 like things like that that I'm like, I need to see what in the hell this is. And it was Roman Reigns talking to Jey Uso, acting, and then like people like Ryan Satin and others, um, God, uh, just other people like, oh, wow, Roman Reigns is such a great actor. This is, this is incredible stuff. And it's, it was like a 40 minute match. That's almost all just bad acting and no action. And it was an I quit match, too. It was one of the most painful things I have sat through. I can't believe I sat through what must have been 30 minutes of it. Um, easily the worst match of the year. And the people who are like, wow, this was really good. Uh, they should rethink their lives. <laughs> uh, TJ, what's your vote for worst match of the year? Uh, my worst match of the year is the Alley Cat versus Kikotaro from uh, GCW Slime Season. It's probably just recency since it was it took place in December, but I was kind of struggling with this, and this was like the first match that came to my mind because that whole show kind of wasn't that good, but this in particular was just awful. And please don't watch this. What was? Give me like something that was awful about it. What was terrible about it? I mean, I think it's just I usually enjoy Kikotaro because he got he's a pretty good comedy wrestler. It's just. I don't know, Alley Cat doesn't do anything for me ever, really. I'm not as offended by her as some people are, but I don't know. 
she just needs to stay away from me for a little bit. I was, she was really the bad thing about the match more than Kikataro, I think. Okay, because I heard this match was horrible, but nobody ever seems to tell me specifically why it was so bad. So I guess I should just go watch it for myself. I'll uh, say if you want to. <laughs> Harley, what is your pick for a worst match of the year? Uh, I actually went to Toriano versus Jado from the uh, first round of the New Japan Cup in uh, June. Um, I can't actually remember why I hated this match so much, but it's the only dud I gave for the year. Um, I think maybe because it just went eight minutes, which is probably seven and a half minutes too long for these two. Um, but yeah, I remember just really hating this one. Gerard, what do you have for a worst match of 2020? Well, avid Omakaze listeners would also would already know my worst match of the year as we went over it on the Miscellaneous Piro episode. But I went with Goshi Ozaki versus Kazuyuki Fujita from March 29th in Noah. And yes, I watched it live, which is something <laughs> that a lot of people sort of put a caveat on whether or not you enjoyed it. I watched it live. I didn't like it. I didn't get the hype. And as someone with ADD, I can't stand two people just standing there looking at each other for 30 minutes. Uh, you'll hear that one again in the top 10 for best match of the year. But yes, there you go. Uh, so the winner was Orange Cassidy versus Chris Jericho, the Mimosa Mayhem match from AEW uh, November 7th. That got four votes. Uh, then we had a tie for second place, uh, which was Randy Orton versus Edge. Actually, do I have the date on that wrong? Was it all out or was it... Uh, I don't know. It was, it all, was out. all out. Okay, so I put the I put the wrong date. So it's actually from September, not from November. So there you go. I have to make sure I correct that on my document. Uh, anyway, tie for second. Uh, Randy Orton versus Edge WWE from WrestleMania Night Two, uh, on March twenty sixth. That got three votes. And then John Cena versus the Fiend Bray Wyatt. The uh, what, what the hell was that thing called? The whatever the Firefly Funhouse match. The Firefly Funhouse match that also got three votes. And then I'll just read all the ones that got two votes really quickly. All of our honorable mentions. Uh, Maku Donoto versus Shinya Aoki from DDT on July 23rd got two votes. Yana versus Jado, which uh, Harley here mentioned, that got two votes. Ali Cap versus Kikitaro got two votes. The Big Swole versus Britt Baker, Rebel, and Penelope Ford handicap match from AEW August 27th got two votes. Money in the Bank got two votes. And Naito versus Evil from Dominion July 12th got two votes. Uh, the Omakase Patreon Award winners, uh, their winner did not get more than one vote in the uh, the guest votes, which is interesting. It was Evil versus Kazuchika Okada from July 11th, the New Japan Cup final. That won with four votes. And then Yano versus Jado got three votes. Nothing else got more than a vote. So there you go for worst match of the year. Uh, our f- that's all, all That's all the worst categories. We're done with worst. So now we move into the best of 2020. Uh, the last category B award where you only pick one per person is best weekly TV show. Uh, I voted for DDT TV show, which was their uh, weekly show that started during the COVID shutdown. Uh, I just thought they did the best job of any of the Puro companies at putting on a weekly show in front of no people. Um, you know, definitely a lot better than even the American companies I saw. Um, you know, just a really, really fun show with some my some of my favorite matches of empty arena like endo and Higuchi, um you know from the first week which was probably the best match in front of no fans that i saw all year uh also the uh all out versus uh yoshihiko feud was awesome um you know there's just a ton of great stuff on this show the masao tanaka stuff uh all leading up to the empty arena uh the empty arena peter pan 
so just a really really fun fun show and just brings back memories from Maji Manji which was also a great show when they used to do that weekly so that was where I voted here I, I voted for DDT TV show uh, what did you pick here suit uh, I went with AEW Dynamite. I think their run up to Revolution was some of the best uh, wrestling TV I've ever seen. And then coming through the pandemic and like toward the end of the year after uh, Full Gear, they've really gotten back into the swing of things and really just been doing some real good stuff on the TV. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, culminating in the uh, Brody Lee Memorial Show, which you wish never happened, but was... A great tribute show. Yeah. Mongo, what do you have here for best weekly TV? Well, I was very glad that you had uh, an error in your ballot and you allowed AEW Dark as a best weekly TV show because Dark is actually a podcast and it's my favorite podcast. It's two hours every week of Taz just being very wacky and saying whatever ridiculous stuff comes to his mind and sometimes being joined by Ricky Starks and... Excalibur trying to call a wrestling show during this podcast and I love to just zone out and play video games or do whatever while I watch Dark and while I really love Dynamite I actually like get excited when they announce the Dark matches for the week just thinking what is Taz going to say about the Pandas or Bear Country or whatever wacky team shows up so I love AEW Dark there you go. TJ, what did you vote for Best Weekly TV? I voted for AEW Dynamite, but it didn't even come to my mind to think of like the DT TV shows or like the old like the old Japan TV or anything like that because I probably would have voted for one of those if I would have thought about it. But Dynamite's the only weekly TV I really watch every week, so and even though I have my problems with it, it's mostly good, so it's, it was a pretty easy vote, even if I would probably would have voted for like old Japan or no or DT if I would have thought about it. Uh, Harley, what'd you put here for best weekly TV? Uh, I also went Dynamite. Um, it's probably all I really want out of weekly TV wrestling, especially from America. Like, there's some, I guess, segments in it that stink. But as a, as a whole, like, I, I like, I'm not offended by it like I am by the three WWE shows. So that's why I went Dynamite. Uh, Gerard, what'd you put for best weekly TV? Uh, I went with uh, All Japan sort of AGPW broadcast 2020. I thought it was some of the best empty arena stuff. Uh, they had some really cool angles. It was sort of structured like uh, an American TV show at times because the show would start off and like enfants would come to the ring and cut a promo and everything. Uh, and it was probably arguably the peak of the company because everything fell off a cliff when the fans came back. Yeah, I would have voted for All Japan second if I was going to do a, a second place. I thought they did a good job too. Uh, Dynamite is a good, you know, I, I get why people like it. My problem with it always is like, I just think the wrestling quality is kind of not good. So that ends up being uh, what holds it back for me. But the, other than that, like the way they structure their TV and everything and the interviews are usually really good. So uh, it did win the award. Not really surprising for the second straight year. Uh, it got 21 votes. Dark came in second with five votes. DDT TV show came in third with four votes. And then your honorable mentions, uh, Gato Move, Choco Pro, New Japan Strong, and All Japan all got two votes each. Uh, very similar on the Patreon, except a little bit less votes for Dynamite. Uh, Dynamite won with 14 votes. And then tied for second was the DDT TV show and Gato Move, Choco Pro, which both got five votes. Uh, nobody voted for Dark, though, so Dark was much more popular with the guests than it was with the patrons. So there you go. Okay, so now we're into Category A 
where everybody picked three, uh, you know, everybody made three picks here, first through third place. And then uh, we awarded the points on a 5-3-2 basis. And then we also used the most number of first place votes as a tiebreaker, which did come into play quite a bit in these categories because a lot of them were very close. So best major show, I voted for the, for the, uh, let's see, what did I vote for? <laughs> Actually, whatever, New Japan, New Big in Osaka in third place, which I thought was the best New Japan show of the year. Just a really outstanding show with a lot of, uh, you know, the top matches were all really good. And then even like the undercard tags were weirdly good. So I just, I just love this show. I thought it was New Japan's best. Uh, second place, I voted for DDT Ultimate Party, which again, you know, nobody does super cards as well as DDT does you know, over the last, like, five years, and, you know, I thought this was another really, really good, strong effort from DDT with, uh, especially a, a super strong top two matches uh, with Akiyama and Takashida and Endo and Sasaki, but plenty of other good stuff on the card, too. And then first place, I went with DDT, Tokyo Joshi, uh, Russell Princess. Uh, so these were two shows only four days apart, November 3rd and November 7th, uh, and I thought these were, you know, just, a, a, just this was also a really awesome show. Uh, just had like a, you know, really great crowd for the COVID era that you could tell was really into, you know, seeing Tokyo Joshi in their biggest building ever uh, at Tokyo Dome City Hall. And, you know, they the, just, the, the main event was one of the best matches of the year uh, with Yuka Sakazaki and Mizuki. Uh, the, the Hyper Misao and Saki Akai, like, rule-changing match was one of the funniest comedy matches I've ever seen. And the entire show was just like, you know, super, super fun. Uh, classic Tokyo Jersey stuff here, and I just thought this show was, like, the show, the best major show I saw during 2020. Uh, what do you have here, Suit, for best major show? All right, so for best major show in third place, getting in just under the gun, I got Final Gate from Dragon Gate on December 20th. Uh, they got three notebook matches for me. Kaisuke Okuda versus Kagatora for the Brave Gate was very good. You got Shun Skywalker versus Ben K, the main event, which, despite Ben K getting knocked out at the end, was still very good. And then you had the Unit Disbands match, Torimon Generation versus R.E.D., which I will be talking about later. It's what we call a tease in the biz. Uh, second place, I've got AEW Revolution. The uh, tag match was great. The um, Moxley-Jericho match was very good as the, in the main event. And then you had uh, Pack versus Orange Cassidy as well uh, in between. So just a real good show. The buildup from uh, – it felt like the culmination of that really good February AEW was having. And then number one, because I'm boring, Wrestle Kingdom Night 1, January 4th. You can't go wrong. Like – I had two five-star matches on the same show. I don't know how that's possible, but I did. Talk, uh, Hiromu and Will and uh, Okada Bushi, I went five on both. So, yeah, can't go wrong with one four. Uh, Mongo, what do you have here for best major show? So, for best show in third place, I had the Stardom ninth anniversary match. Um, the ninth anniversary show. I just remember when um, like Stardom was putting up the VODs. I I think the first one I saw go up was uh, the Wonder of Stardom match, the uh, the Arisa Hoshiki uh, versus Utami match, and I was like, "Wow, this is great!" And I'm I was so sad when um, Hoshiki retired. 
I like I loved like the last like year and a half, like especially her uh, run with the Wonder of Stardom title. Thought she was so good, one of the best wrestlers in the world. And like I, I, I like was posting about that, and someone's like, "Oh, that's not even the best match on the show." And then there was the um, the Mayu Iwatani versus Momo Watanabe match, which was also fantastic. Maybe maybe even a little better. Um, plus the uh, the Tam Nakano Kagetsu match, which was really good. It was just a great great show. And, and the Utami one was the one where she like she busted open Utami's nose or something, right? Like legit. I, I think so. I I I don't have like a lot of memories of like pre COVID shows. I yeah. just like remember loving that show. I think that match. I think that match was why Japanese fans started calling Arisa like the new Inoki on Twitter. So I yeah. thought that was funny. And like I can't I can't even believe that show was in the same year now. Yeah, and, I know. Um, second place, I had AEW Double or Nothing. I loved the Stadium Stampede. I loved the uh, Moxley versus um brody lee match especially the finish that was a really great finish um i loved uh hikaru shida versus nyla rose and i mean like i thought it was a really strong card even like the casino the wacky casino ladder match was so much fun to watch live and uh in first place i had let me just double check did i actually uh, i i read this wrong i i had Full gear in third place, uh, ninth anniversary in second place, and double or nothing in first place. There you go. Uh, my mistake. But um, uh, full gear, I also thought was a really good show. I was wondering why, like, in my mind, I'm thinking about full gear at first place. I'm like, it was a really good show, but like, I feel like double or nothing was better based on the way I'm describing it. Um, like, a really good top to bottom card where double or nothing like did have a couple of spots where it was maybe weaker, but that stadium stampede match, the title match, the ladder match, like just overall really, really great fun show at a time where like I needed a fun show to watch. There you go. TJ best major show. Uh, my third best major show was dragon gate final gate. Uh, I just absolutely love the show. Like nothing was outright bad. Like everything on the card was really enjoyable except for maybe Yoshida and Jason Lee, but it was fine. A little longer for my taste, but beyond that, like, everything else was great. Like, the final four matches were all great, other than, like, the Twin Gate match was, wasn't great, but it was still good for what they were trying to do, because, I mean, BB, BB Hulk and Kai being, like, shitheads together against old men killing them, so that was really fun. And it had a match of your contender in the, you know, disbands match, and I still thought the main event was great, despite how it finished and all the discourse it caused, but, uh, yeah, overall, that's my number three. My number two is Ice Ribbon, New Ice Ribbon, uh, 1057. From their, it was their final uh, Yokohama Bunka gymnasium show from August. Uh, bottom half of the card was really good, including a really funny triangle ribbon match with uh, Ram Kaicho defending. Had the fantastic ice title, I think it's Ice Hit, <laughs> between uh, Rina Yamashina and Risa Sarah was just awesome. A, lot of, a little bit of hardcore match. Uh, tag title match was really good with uh, Tsukuchi and uh, Takatsu Fujimoto uh, dropping the belts to Frank Sisters and the main event was just awesome with uh, Maya Yuki finally putting over uh, Suzu Suzuki to uh, make her the new ace of the promotion or new young ace, even though uh, she lost the belt. But um, and my number one show of the year was uh, Dragon Gate Dangerous Gate from uh, September. Uh, pretty much the same thing as Dangerous or Final Gate. I just loved everything on the show. And uh, the main event, the uh, six way uh, steel cage match, was another match of the year contender. It had like one of my favorite moments of the year with uh, Kai turning on Yamato and joining R.E.D. So, yeah, those are my uh, top three matches or three shows. Harley, what do you have here for the top three best major show? 
Uh, for a third place, I actually had a summer struggle in Jingu. Um, we, uh, Melbourne, where I live, was right in the middle of a really, really harsh lockdown. And I just needed a show like this that felt like New Japan again. I think I went notebook on the top four matches, uh, including the Naito Evil main event. Because I thought at least then the, the run-ins had a satisfying outcome to them. And just the the uh, the ending with the fireworks and Naito holding the double belts again is just something like probably needed at that time of the year. Uh, a nice feel good moment. Second place, I went Revolution, um, probably just by default. A hot Chicago crowd, which you know you miss so dearly at this time, um, and probably the they have the second best match of the year. Spoiler alert! And the uh, second five star match I've given in eighteen months in that. Um, uh, Hangman Page, Kenny Omega, Young Bucks tag team title match. And the rest of the card was uh, pretty good as well. So that was sort of just by default, I guess, for Revolution as second. And then my first uh, place, I went to Wrestle Kingdom Night 2 because I just thought probably didn't have uh, the superior wrestling as uh, Night 1, but it had that Liger retirement, that awesome um, Suzuki Moxley uh, moment in the middle of the show when that show probably needed a little bit of a kick. Uh, I thought Tanahashi Jericho was uh, fabulous and it concluded with probably the best match I've ever seen in my life um, and maybe the, my favourite wrestling moment definitely in the last probably, well, since I was a kid um, in Naito finally getting his, his moment in the Dome Plus that awesome angle at the end with um, with Kenta as well. So that's why I went uh, Wrestle Kingdom 15, Night 2 as my show of the year. Gerard, what do you got here for best major show? Uh, number three, I went with New Japan G1 Climax, uh, Night 2 from September 20th. I just really loved uh, Naito uh, versus Tanahashi. Uh, to me, I was like, don't I didn't know how the G1 was going to turn out. And so... I, I thought night two really set this like feeling that yay the G one's going to be actually still pretty good this year. I know a lot of people were also down on B block. I'm not saying it was perfect, but I I don't get quite some of the hate that it got. No, Gerard, and, you were you were pretending. You're pretending. <laughs> pretending. <laughs> pretending but also, uh, I think this had Evil's best match of the year, in my opinion, against Zack Saber Junior. Yeah, um, I, I love that. Two. That match was awesome. Number two was uh, Noah the Chronicle from November 22nd. It had, uh, that was Nakajima versus Go, and that was also Keno versus Kaito for the national title. And I think the junior tag match was the best match I've ever seen Hayata in. And uh, number one, I will go with uh, Wrestle Kingdom uh, 14 Night 2. Uh, there was just something about it. Obviously, the main event is like one of the most satisfying finishes to a, a show ever. Uh, I also really loved uh, Tanahashi versus Jericho, which might turn out to be Jericho's last good match. And I just felt the atmosphere was just incredible on that evening. So the winner here was the closest winner we've ever had in this category, separated by exactly one point. Wrestle Kingdom 14, Night 2, 51 points, nine first place votes. Second place, Wrestle Kingdom 14, Night 1, 50 points, 6 first place votes. So, obviously can't get any closer than that. Uh, I thought Night 2 was going to win by a lot, and then, like, a lot of the late votes came in from Night 1, so it got really, really close. Uh, third place was AEW Revolution. Uh, Revolution had 38 points and 3 first place votes, and now I'll just do the rest of the top 5. 
Uh, G1 Climax Night 13, nobody mentioned that one. That was the uh, Okada Shingo and uh, Ibushi Suzuki A Block show uh, that had 25 points with three first place votes. Fifth place, Ice Ribbon, with their best showing ever on these awards. Gets Ice Ribbon, New Ice Ribbon, uh, Yokohama Bunka Gym Final. I think that's the show you voted for, right, TJ? Uh, yeah, that was my yeah. that was my number two. It was so, like definitely one of my favorite matches this, or shows this year. Like, when I was voting for this, that was like the first one that came to mind, honestly. It was so, really good. So that fit, that was uh, August 9th in Yokohama, and that finished fifth with 24 points. So only one point behind the G1 show. Uh, three first-place votes. And then you can see the rest of the top ten on an article I'm going to put up on VOW. So I'm not going to go through the whole top ten here for every award. Uh, the Omakase Patreon winners, similar, but they like Night 2 a lot more. So Wrestle Kingdom 14 Night 2 got 89 points. And then Wrestle Kingdom 14 Night 1 was well behind in second place with 34 points. And then third place was uh, DDT Tokyo Joshi Wrestle Princess with 24 points. So that's your best major show. Okay, so now we're going to deviate from the order a little bit, and I'm going to jump up to Most Outstanding Wrestler, uh, just so there's a bit of a gap between Most Outstanding and Wrestler of the Year. So Most Outstanding Wrestler is the best wrestler of the year from an in-ring, bell-to-bell standpoint only. Uh, None of the other factors that you put for Wrestler of the Year, uh, also called the Flair Thighs and the Observer. So Most Outstanding Wrestler this year, uh, I went with Hiromu Takahashi. Uh, It was really close to me between Hiromu and my number two. Um, because, you know, just I, I, I had my number two at number one for a long time, but, um, you know, just Hiromu to me pulled away with his best of Super Juniors performance, where I thought, like, every night, he practically, he was having a four-star better match, and I just thought, like, you know, he basically carried that tournament. Without him, without him, that tournament, it's not that great, honestly. Uh, you know, other guys had good tournaments, too. I mean, Desperado, uh, show had a good tournament. Uh, you know, Ishimori had a pretty good tournament, but like he, Doki too, actually had a pretty good tournament. But Hiromu was on on like a whole different level in that tournament and just, you know, really took that on his back and made it a great tournament. So Hiromu was my pick for most outstanding. Uh, Kaito Kiyomiya from Noah was my second place, where I thought he had a, it was under the radar because he wasn't in as many main event spots as he was in previous years, but like everything he was in was outstanding. I mean, he had the, he was the MVP of the uh, N1 victory for me. Uh, his matches, his title match with Goshi Ozaki uh, on 1 4 was one of my favorite matches of the year. Just really, really outstanding stuff from Kaito. Uh, you know, he really put it all together this year. And then third place, I put Naito. Uh, you know, Naito obviously, you know, didn't have like an all time great year, especially compared to some of the other years he's had. But I thought his G1 climax was outstanding. Uh, you know, the Tanahashi match, the Zack Sabre Jr. match, the Juice Robinson match, uh, the Sonata match was really good. Just a lot of really good stuff in the G1. The Goto, Yoshihashi, I could really go on and on. Uh, he had one of the best matches I've ever seen with Okada. Uh, you know, had a really good match with Kenta. And, you know, the Evil Feud. I know some people hated it, but, like, I really liked their Power Struggle match especially. Uh, and, they had, you know, I didn't hate the rest of it as much as other people did. But, yeah, I thought Naito had a really strong year, so I put him in third place here. Uh, what did you have here for most outstanding wrestlers suit? And you can feel free to go back to the third to first if you want. I don't know why I deviated from that suddenly, but <laughs> all right for most outstanding number three, I had Hiromu Takahashi. Uh, I just felt his year was really good. He's been the lifeblood of New Japan uh, for just he's just been so good, and ever since the uh, comeback from the shutdown, he's been in my opinion, undoubtedly the best part of New Japan. 
Um, in second place, I've got Will Ospreay. He had the Wrestle Kingdom match. He had the Saber matches. And ever since coming back, uh, he hasn't done much since coming back because he's been a stat- getting the uh, new group together. But I think his start of the year was strong enough to really hold him above water because I just had him, like, if the year's regular, I think he has another just stellar year. And then number one, Kenny Omega. Uh, yeah, he was ju- he was in my best tag team match of the year and several of my best singles matches of the year. I just, I don't know what to tell you. I think he's great. Okay. Mongo, what do you have for <laughs> I mean, Mongo, what do you have for most outstanding wrestler? Okay, for most outstanding wrestler, uh third place I have Mayu Iwatane, who uh I I thought her title reign was really tremendous. Um I kept like forgetting about stardom this year. Like I, I I'd catch up on New Japan. I was obviously watching AEW, I was watching some GCW stuff. Basically I was watching like the weird um DTU produce shows from this summer on like the ranch and the other stuff and then like someone would post about this great match she had and I'd watch it like wow that was really good and then I I mean before um, the pandemic uh, obviously like she she was doing like some of the the best stuff of the year she had that really fun wacky um, lumberjack match on the no people gate Um, so I, I was just a huge fan of her overall. thought she was very versatile this year on top of being a really good champion, um, which we'll get to in a different award. Um, second place, I had Shingo. And it's weird because like when I looked at a list of Shingo matches, like when I just went to his cage match uh, match guy, I'm like, wow, that was wow. Like, he had a better 2019 than 2020. But I thought he was fantastic this year. Um, his matches with show were great. The matches with Ishii were great. Uh, the Kota Ibushi match was obviously uh, great. <laughs> that, like, fantastic... Um, what was it? Um, it was, like a, like, a random tag match, I remember, from, like, June. Um, I think... But I just remember that being really good. Uh, a really good match with Goto. Just... I thought he had a great year. Um, and then, in first place, I had Kenny Omega... His tag run with Hangman Page was fantastic. Um, and during, like, the real, <laughs> I guess, as close to America got to as a, a real lockdown during this pandemic, those tape shows from Atlanta and the empty arena stuff um, in Jacksonville, he had a lot of really good, like, a diverse kind of run there. He had just some like maybe overly long, but still like really good matches with uh Sammy, like a very wacky tag match with Nakazawa against the best friends. And then just like he was great as a top tier tag and singles wrestler. I just I loved the match with Hangman. I, I loved like a lot of his work this year. I thought he was fantastic and uh yeah he's my most outstanding wrestler. Alrighty. TJ? Uh, my number three pick for uh, most outstanding is Katsuhiko Nakajima. I think my one and two are probably, like, they probably had higher peaks than he did, but I think Nakajima was, like, one of the most consistent wrestlers this year, if not the most. Like, he was constantly great in tags, had the awesome 30-minute draw with Suzuki right before the shutdown happened. He was the best person in the N1 this year, in my opinion, at least. And his match with uh, Go for the title was just phenomenal. 
one of the best matches this year. Uh, my number two was uh, Hiromu Takahashi. Hiromu started off strong with uh, winning the junior title in a great match against the uh, Commonwealth Kingpin. Eh, another great uh, match defending against Dragon Lee. And then once the startup happened, he was really good in the New Japan Cup, had what seems like a lot of people consider Evil's best match in his reign, and uh, was pretty much front and center during that entire feud anyway. But uh, he lost the title in Jingu, a great match with Ishimori, had another great match with Ishimori in the best Super Junior. Like like you mentioned, he was like the highlight of the entire tournament. I think he had basically just about everyone's best match in that tournament, and him and uh, Bushi were even good in the Junior Tag Tournament, so... I don't know. He's my top, my number two guy here. And uh, my number one is uh, Go Shizaki. I had other guys ahead of him for most of the year, but uh, came pretty apparent once the year went along that he was going to be my most outstanding because he started off the year with his match with Kaito, which I still maintain as the best match to take place on January 4th, much better than Ibushi and Okada. Uh, a great reign and had the Fujita match. I think he was one of the best guys in N1. And he bookended the year with uh, back-to-back match of the year contenders with uh, Nakajima and Segura, plus a few great tag matches thrown out throughout the year for good measure. But yeah, he's my number one. Alrighty, Harley, your top three for most outstanding. Uh, at number three, I went uh, Go Shizaki. Uh, he had three of my top ten matches of the year this year, and um, he, I thought he had a really good N one as well. Um, for number two, I went. Uh, Hiromu Takahashi uh, I think he's just he's, he, has, he's, he mixed it up with the heavyweights and was great, he had a good little tag run with Bushi um, and I think they always have uh, pretty good tag matches anyway and I think he was clearly the standout of the um, of the best of the Super Juniors anyway uh, again and he um, he just feels like a big deal as well like his matches, whenever that, that time bomb music hits it, it just feels like something big is going to happen which is like he's really captivating in that way and number one i'm pretty pretty stunned and pretty upset no one said him already but i went the stone pitbull tomohiro ishii um whenever he steps in the ring it's always great he had uh an incredible tag match on in new year's dash against uh evil and shingo takagi teaming with hiroki goto he had some great six man probably the best six man run we've ever seen not that that's saying much but it's i mean he's actually having great matches his new japan cup in front of no fans uh was great his g1 he ranked the highest out of uh the people i i ranked in the g1 and he even his world tag league stuff with yano i think was probably in the top half of tags even though again that's probably not saying as much but just in every in every format the the multi-mans the tags and and the single stuff he, i think he's just his body of work is so strong so that's why I went Tomiro Ishii. Alrighty. Uh, the finally here, Gerard, what do you have for most outstanding wrestler? Uh, number three, uh, Tetsuya Naito. Uh, was not super high on the evil stuff, but what got him in my top three was his performance in the G1, which is incredible. Uh, number two is Will Ospreay. I think Suit also uh, got most of the major points, but I'll just add uh, Ospreay, what I'm basing this on, it's also his amazing match against Dowie James back in January in Melbourne City Wrestling, as well as his uh, Rev Pro stuff like winning the title from uh, Zack Sabre Jr. and some of the Empty Arena Epic Encounter shows from Rev Pro, which uh, were awesome f- uh, stuff from him. And number one, uh, Hiromo Takahashi. I don't know what else to say because he's been on everybody else's list. It was just an incredible year, and I will give him credit for just being able to make have an incredible match with anyone. 
There you go. Uh, so the overall guest awards here, Hiromu did win. Uh, 61 points, 8 first place votes. Kenny Omega, the gamer, versus in second, 52 points, 7 first place votes. Goshi Ozaki, a strong third place, 42 points, 5 first place votes. And then a bit of a drop off after that to uh, Shinko Takagi in fourth, 27 points with one first place vote. And Katsuhiko Nakajima in fifth, 25 points with four first place votes. The patrons also had a Roma winning, 68 points. Yeah, they had Goshi Ozaki in second with 51 points. And then they have Shingo Takagi coming up to third with 30 points. So I guess I'm not surprised people who pay to hear me talk are not as big Kenny Omega fans, but uh, there you go. Uh, okay, for best promotion, from here on out, I'm going to reverse the order. So Gerard's not going last every time. So that way we, uh, you know, just go in reverse order from here on out for the last few awards here. Uh, so best promotion, obviously, is just the best wrestling promotion of the year in 2020. Uh, I went with New Japan in first. Um, well, actually, let me go back to third through first. I don't know why I keep reversing that. Uh, <laughs> so for third place, I had DDT. I thought they had a strong year uh, between DDT and Tokyo Joshi. I already mentioned I think they had some of the best empty arena stuff of anybody I saw, and I liked their stuff post-COVID. The only thing, or post-empty arena, because obviously we're still dealing with COVID. Um, you know, the only thing holding them back a little bit is I wasn't that high in their early-of-the-year stuff before the empty arena kicked in, uh, but I think everything after the empty arena stuff has been really, really good. And Tokyo Joshi is always a huge bonus for them since it's one of their sub-brands. Uh, second place, I have Noah. I mean, they just had an outstanding year. Uh a ton of awesome uh, main event stuff. Again, the only thing holding them back a little bit would be their undercards don't always do a ton for me, but, like, uh, you know, there's still some plenty of good stuff on the undercards, too. It's just not always quite the full all-around shows for me. It's more the, the top-end stuff is really, really good. In uh, first place was still New Japan for me. I know a lot of people were down on their year, but I really enjoyed most of their year. Uh, it still has the best, you know, my favorite roster of wrestlers. Um you know, I think it still has the most consistent in-ring quality, uh, even when the angles maybe didn't hit as well as they did in prior years. Uh, although, really, you know, there's we, we went over this in the Japan Year interview. I don't really think there's a ton of evidence to support that most people outside of uh, a certain group of Western hardcore fans didn't like, didn't actually like the evil turn, the evil reign. Uh, you know, and after we record that episode, you know, the New Japan reported that the evil uh, shirt was actually their number one seller in December on the global shop, so not even the Japanese shop, which again would indicate to me there's more people out there who are into evil than uh, the vocal minority online who hate his reign would have you believe. So, you know, I think they they had a strong year. Uh, I wouldn't call it my all-time favorite year of theirs or anything. I mean, you know, it's always going to be an issue when... I mean, nothing this year was my all-time favorite anything because of, you know, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic and everything and all the associated crowd restrictions. But for the most part, I really like their year. So I went with them in first place. Uh, what do you have here, Gerard? Start with you this time. Uh, number three, uh, Big Japan. I thought they had a really low-key, like, great year. Strong division, especially. Daichi Hashimoto decided he woke up one day and was like, I'm actually going to become a good wrestler and try. And he had a really good, strong title reign. Uh, Deathmatch division was a little lacking. I don't really like Minoru Fujita up top, but the strong in the junior divisions with like Yuya Aoki and strong hearts on a lot of the big shows just, I thought, put a, together a really solid product. Number two, uh, this might 
uh, infuriate some Joshi hardcores, but I went with Stardom. I just thought it was pretty consistent all year long, uh, even despite obviously having to deal with things like the tragic passing of Hana Kimura. Uh, you know, they elevated uh, Utami up into the red belt and Julia really sort of just stepped up and uh, they have like sort of built her to the edge of like she's going to be a superstar soon. So I just thought it was a really consistent year. And number one, I went with Pro Wrestling Noah. And you might ask, Gerard, how can you have the worst match of the year from the company that you say is the best promotion? Well, I say uh, there is some really wacky stuff in Pro Wrestling Noah, like the junior division. But the peaks, uh, like to me, uh, heavily outweigh the weaknesses. Uh, Harley, what do you got here for best promotion? Uh, third place, I went uh, with Pro Wrestling Noah. This is my first probably consistent year of watching it sort of throughout and um and I'm really happy I did. Their main event their main event scene is uh was pretty was pretty incredible. Uh they had a really good uh N one tournament as well. Um second place I went with New Japan. Uh obviously dropped off from the uh previous few years for me from uh, going from first to second. So big drop there. Um but yeah, they just didn't for, the difference between my one and two is that Obviously, and no no fault of theirs, but New Japan uh, didn't have shows for a quarter of the year. Um, so that's why I didn't think... I, I, I didn't hate the evil stuff as much as a lot of people. Um, so I, and I thought there... I mean, obviously, there was a drop-off with the, with the crap, with the clap, with the crap, clap crowds and, um, and all that sort of stuff. So, but uh, I didn't think there was a dramatic drop-off with, with, the, um, with the match quality... And also the, I mean, the angles are still still good. I think the evil turn was a good angle. I just didn't like the match they had afterwards. So I think, I think that's why they're still number two and by a clear a clear margin. And then sort of by default, my first place I did AEW just because they ran all year or were able to run all year. They never really pissed me off that much. I thought their peaks were good. Their lows weren't so low. And they 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 were just generally consistently very good for fifty two weeks. Uh, TJ, uh, my number three promotion of the year is Dragon Gate. If I'd like been following them more closely all year, it might have been higher to be honest. But unfortunately, I was a bit of a flying fan for Dragon Gate until this summer really. But once I got invested, I thought it was like one of the best book promotions in the back half of the year. Like firing all all cylinders, pushing all their young talent with them living up to the push, especially SB Kento. Uh, all while having uh, pretty solid matches all year from Doi's title reign and both tag divisions, plus two match of the year contenders and uh, the six-man cage match and the you know, disbands match for Final Gate. Uh, D- my number two is DDT. And uh, what can I say? I pretty much enjoyed everything they've done this year. Uh, kicked off the year with that great Masada Tanaka reign. Endo ended it in like one of my favorite DDT matches this year, other than uh, Takashita and Yoshihiko, which is my favorite DDT matches here. Uh, then he had a he had a great reign, including like winning the King of DDT and feuding with Damnation, or well, feuding with Sasaki more specifically, I guess. And tag and trio scene was great with uh, Nautilus interruption, basically plowing through everyone and inevitably feuding with each other. Um, both those tag teams were used really well to uh, push Higuchi and Ueno with some help from Ueno or from Endo uh, feuding with them during that. And uh, I love Takashita. Like he was on the back burner, but he was still doing stuff, meaning like meaningful stuff feuding with uh, Junratsu and Yoshihiko. And uh, really my only down thing with DT was the extreme or was the um, uh, universal title, which I didn't really enjoy the match where it got inaugurated and majority of its existence so far has been uh, Chris Brooks and uh, Sasaki feuding over it, which has been, was fucking terrible. But 
Oh, well, <laughs> that's really like my main complaint about DT this year. And uh, my number one is Noah. Uh, my one and two were kind of neck and neck, but uh, each had things I loved, some things I didn't. Like Noah's obvious flaws are like the junior division being constantly in turmoil. And I think most of the matches for the juniors have been too long. Depending, well, it depends on who's in them, I guess. But uh, I just felt that uh, in general, though, Noah had more uh, top end matches this year, especially the back half of the year. And I personally thought the N one was the best round robin tournament this year. And uh, also, just including business reasons, I think they took advantage of a great, a great situation for them, and the fact that New Japan has been down this year in the eyes of Western fans. And I think Noah's done well to fill the gap for people that didn't get what they were wanting from New Japan. And uh, they've got a lot more buzz going into 2021 in the West, thanks to it. So they're my number one. Mongo, what do you have here for best promotion? Well, best promotion, a very different year for me since usually CML is going to be up there and GCW, but CMLL has basically been a non-factor for the last few months. I have not enjoyed their stuff at all. Um, So my number three is New Japan, who... I know a lot of people don't like the direction of New Japan this year, but I mean, even when they're doing like kind of WWE style sports entertainment stuff, they do it a lot better than WWE. It's maybe a little too long on the run-ins. Maybe things could be tightened up a bit, but you know, I, I don't like, I didn't hate the evil Naito matches. I loved the, uh, the uh, ballpark show um, finish. Like, I thought that was great. Um, I thought that was a really good show overall. And I thought, like, overall, like, when I watched New Japan, like, I like it. I don't dislike it. Um, second place, I had Stardom, which, like, it, it would fall off my radar for a few weeks. But then, like, I... In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, ah, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, 
got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'd watch it. And I'm like, wow, it was really good. I need to make sure like, I keep up with this. And then it would fall off my radar and I'd have to catch up. And like the stuff they were doing before the pandemic was really good. The couple of sh- no people shows they did were really fun. Um, the shows they've done since, they, they're they not quite as good as the shows before the pandemic. Like, they've, they've lost something, like, heat-wise, where I don't think New Japan has lost it as much. Um, but, like, I still like the shows more overall. Um, and then number one is AEW. I think they've done a great job since COVID, where I – when I have watched their pre-COVID matches, like, in the last couple of weeks – I do notice the difference, but when I'm actually watching an AEW show, it it doesn't feel like there's no one there. It uh, doesn't feel like like a dead, like uninteresting show. And overall, like I thought, Dynamite's really good. Like I I, I like watching it every week. I think their storylines are generally really good. The promos are really good. The wrestling is really fun, and at its peaks is like fantastic. Um, the Brody Lee tribute was incredible, and I think Dark is like incredibly entertaining. So. Overall, like I, I think that they were my number one um, promotion. Suit, what do you have here for best promotion? All right, for number three, I have Rev Pro. Uh, I think at the start of the year they were doing some really good things to set up for uh, the rest of their year, getting the belt on Will Ospreay, uh, getting um, uh, Michael Oku the uh, their cruiserweight title over El Fantasmo, and just setting up some a lot of stuff throughout, throughout the year. It ended up not working out, but they've really bounced back with the uh, Epic Encounter shows. I think those have done a really good job of just setting up their next guys, setting up who they have, and just going with them. So I think as far as that goes, Rev Pro has done a very good job of that. In second place, I have AEW. Uh, for all the reasons mentioned, um, I think their shows peak very high, uh, and their floor isn't too low. Um, great uh, TV, great pay-per-view, and they do a really good job of, like, bouncing off of obstacles and making, like, making progress out of the obstacles. Like, with the uh, little tournament they had, they had Joy Janela go out, and then in the next round they had Phoenix go out. They were both supposed to face Omega. So they just do those matches as big... uh, big main events to end the year. So I just think that's an example of them just being really versatile and really flexible and um, just not falling into pit holes like that. And then uh, for number one, I went Dragon Gate. Now, I've only been following them, like, since Kobe World. But I I listened to uh, Open the Voice Gate on the Voice of Wrestling uh, Podcast Network. And just hearing how Dragon Gate's been 
just completely unafraid and taking these young guys, these trainees like SB Kento and Hip Hop Kakuda and just shoving them in main event spots. Like, they're not messing around. Like, you're ready. Go for it. And seeing them go for it and, like, be as great as they have been and, in my opinion, peaking with that unit disbands match, it's just been... It's awesome to hop on at this time because you feel like you're at the start of something that could really turn out to be something special for uh, for a promotion. So for number one, I went with Dragon Gate. So the results, uh, AEW did indeed break New Japan's three-year streak. Uh, they were in first place for 89 points and 12 first-place votes. Uh, the top four was really, really close for a while, especially the top three. But AEW closed really, really strong in the last round of balloting. Uh, I assume, like, the last couple of days, I assume a lot of that was the uh, the very positive feedback from the Brody Lee tribute show on the 30th. But, yeah, they, they basically swept the last few days of balloting. Uh, second place was Noah with 74 points and eight first-place votes, their best showing by far in the history of these awards. Uh, third place was New Japan, 62 points and 10 first-place votes. Fourth place was Dragon Gate, another one that closed very strong, almost caught New Japan for third. Uh, they have 57 points with eight first place votes. And then fifth place, DDT, 20 points, one first place vote. Uh, the patrons had this one really different. Uh, they had New Japan as the winner with 94 points, so an overwhelming one for New Japan. And then Noah in second place with 71 points, and AW in a distant third with 37 points. So the patrons a little more high on New Japan than the guests, and a little bit lower on AW, which doesn't really surprise me. Uh, best feud, so obviously this is just the best feud of the year. You can call it, be make it strictly in-ring. Uh, you can weigh other factors, too, if you want. Uh, this one I went back and back and forth on. Uh, I decided to go with Ghost Shuzaki and Nakajima from Noah in third place. Um, I had this higher, but when I really thought about it, I, I do think the argument that it was a little bit too rushed uh, really does, you know, like it, it felt like uh, they went right to the match a little too quickly. You know, that does hold water with me. So I bumped it down to third, and I I, I still think that the build up and you know by the time they played that that hype video for the match when they came out there, it did feel like a really big feud. But I think the maybe going a little bit too fast for me uh, had me put it in third. Uh, I went with Tetsuya Endo versus Daisuke Sasaki from DDT in second. Um, just a really strong feud, you know, especially for something that likely had to be rebooked on the fly uh, because you know they were originally supposed to have Kenny Omega come in for Ultimate Party, but, uh, you know, this was ended up being an amazing backup plan, and I was really happy with the way this feud turned out. Uh, first place, uh, I went with this as kind of a fuck you to some people more than anything. Tetsuya Naito versus Evil from New Japan, uh, where I just thought this feud deserved almost none of the criticism it got. Uh, if you didn't like the matches, that's fine. I still think the matches were overly maligned, let's just say. Um, you know, I thought... Two of them were really good, the G1 match and the Power Struggle match. The Power Struggle match was, like, awesome, awesome, awesome match. The people were way too unfairly hard on because of a combination of the interference and, uh, I guess, just not wanting to see a four-straight match in that series. But I loved that match. Uh, you know, the Summer Struggle match was probably the weakest of the four, but, uh, you know, because there were some botches, but it's still, it's still a strong, entertaining, you know, heated match, especially for a COVID era. And the Dominion match was nowhere near as bad as people said it was. That was a really good match that, uh, you know, Naito sold his ass off in that match. And I, I really don't 
even know what people were watching, honestly, to call it that bad. And the G1 match was good, but forgettable. But, like, all the other aspects of this feud, you know, the turn was great. Evil finally turning on his uh, LIJ leader, the first person LIJ to turn since 2015. Uh, you know, bringing in Dick Togo was great. I thought he was great as, like, Evil's second. Um, you know, but basically just, like, it led to some really awesome promos from both guys and a lot of great interviews if you seek out the extra interview stuff. And they, like, they teased it and, like, dropped hints for months when Naito had called Evil, like, you know, his the the weakest heavyweight member of LIJ and then like openly wonder what he would do about it and then you know, obviously he turns on him as a result you know I think it's one of these things where if you were paying really close attention if you're one of the people that pays really close attention to like New Japan interviews and stuff yeah uh, it probably worked for you even better so I did go with Night Don't Evil here and uh, I don't regret this decision at all Gerard what do you have as your best few picks uh yeah, like you, John, I had some uh, – this was probably the hardest thing I, I had to come up with because I just wasn't really impressed with the, the way a lot of feuds turned out this year. Like, I didn't I didn't rank Nakajima versus Go in my top three because I was – I thought it was too rushed. So I went with number three, uh, Eddie Kingston versus John Moxley. Um, the, the match didn't turn out to be that great, or at least the one on, on pay-per-view, but uh, the mic work was incredible. Number two, I went with uh, Susumu Yokosuka versus the All Japan Juniors, which was probably the best thing All Japan did in 2020, just in terms of the number of really great matches that it turned out. Like, there was a couple of great matches of uh, Susumu versus Hikaru uh, Sato and a really great match against uh, Francesco Akira. And number one feud, I went with uh, Yoshiko versus uh, Aris- Arisa Nakajima. Uh, they had two re- in, in seed ring. Uh, they had two really great matches. They had a draw in January and then a title match in July. Uh, and like, I'm not like a big seed ring fan, but like I generally for the smaller Joshi promotions, I go to the like what people are suggesting like best matches from them and pick and choose. And I just thought this really stood out to me. And like, I think Yoshiko is one of the best heels in wrestling. All righty. Harley, what do you got here for best feud? Uh, in third place, I went um, Eddie Kingston versus John Moxley. Uh, this is more of just reward Eddie Kingston for the years. I thought his mic work, especially in this, in this feud was, was incredible. And even just, just the way this feud started with Eddie Kingston ever got eliminated from the Battle Royal to then it escalating. Eddie Kingston never gave up, even though he passed out. I was a bit high on probably that main of that um, patient than Gerard, but again, probably disappointing. That's why uh, this food's not as high, but the mic work was, was pretty incredible in it. Uh, in second place, I went Los Ingobernables de Japón versus Bullet Club. Now, I didn't like the evil Naito feud as much as you, John. Uh, I still liked it, but I also thought that as, as, as a whole year, the year was pretty much about Naito versus Bullet Club, uh, which also seeped into the other members of Los Ingobernables de Hapon as well. Like, I thought the Kenta-Naito feud at the start of the year was, was incredible, um, and then I loved their match as well. I thought the evil turn was awesome. I thought the Hiromu stuff with Evil was probably Evil's most entertaining stuff he did, especially that main event. I know some people didn't like it as much, but I thought that was Evil's Good. best match. Can I just ask you, did you, did, you see, did you see that Hiromu interview he did Like that, that was like a whole separate like 15-minute interview about before the Evil oh, match? Oh, before, before that match? Yeah. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. Um, 
Because I, I think almost nobody watched that because it wasn't on a show or anything. Like, it was a right. separate video you had to seek out. But that, they did such right. an I mean, awesome it was, job. It was, telling, it was Hiromu saying Evil couldn't even beat Ishii and Hiromu could beat him on his first try. <laughs> yeah, like, he said, just, come ask me for tips, is what he said. Yeah, yeah. Some, it's just, just awesome. And even that angle at the end of Dominion with, with um, Hiromu just screaming and, like, you know, he, he's lost his friend. He's, you know, his little his mentor has, has cheated him. Like, just great stuff. Um, I'm probably also a little bit higher. I mean, I, I loved Evil before he turned. I thought he was I thought he was fantastic in that role as sort of Naito's right hand man, first you know first member of of Lij. Um, so I'm probably a bit more into this Sonata uh, Evil feud as well because I love them as a tag team. I thought they should have probably been pushed as a as a tag team to try and rehabilitate the division. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago when they started winning all those tag leagues. So I'm a bit more into that feud as well. The only time I really I mean, I really was sort of tired of Bullet Club LIJ. It was probably a power struggle with the fourth in whatever, however many months it was, four, four and four months, uh, evil, evil Naito matches. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure, John, you, you know that Naito was also my favourite wrestler and I really would have liked to have seen him do a little bit more in his, in his uh, big reign than just really sort of feud with, with evil, yeah. I mean, despite loving the rest of the Bullet Club I mean, stuff. this is basically, that, got, that was the problem of this the condensed year, because obviously it would have been way more spread out. If, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I've got them at two. And then first, I've got John Moxley versus Kenny Omega. It just, to me, it just felt like a big deal. And like a big deal we haven't had in American wrestling f- for years the, the follow-up is, is um, so far is great as well. I thought the match was fine. The <laughs> angle was good in theory. Didn't love the execution of it. But to me, I thought that was just sort of a no-brainer with, with just how big it felt. And when, when you look at all the actual, like, parameters that you judge success on, like the ratings was good, probably they did a – a decent fight buy rate, I guess, for that winter is coming to show. Well, was it? It, so was, a free, it was a free TV show. Oh, uh, well, like I mean, overseas you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to buy. I have to buy Dynamite on um, on fight. So and so, I suppose it probably did a. If you're not subscribing monthly, that probably popped a bit of a number as well. So that's why I went. Um, yeah, Moxley versus Omega is number one. Alrighty, TJ, what do you have here for best feud? Uh, for my third best feud, I have All Out versus Jinrets, but more specifically, Takashida versus Akiyama. Uh, I think this is a DT feud even like non-DT fans can appreciate. It's basically like once Takashida finished off Yoshi, or once All Out in general finished off Takashida or Yoshiko, uh, All Out transitioned right into this feud with Akiyama's new unit, uh, Jinretsu. I thought it had uh, they had several fantastic multi-man matches, which you, I thought culminated in a great match with Akiyama and Takashida at Ultimate Party. But then they ran it back a couple weeks ago in the Dio Grand Prix Finals, which I thought was great. I, th- I kind of preferred the Ultimate Party match, but still, I thought both were great matches. And I'm really curious if this feud's going to continue into 2021 because you'd think Takashi's going to get his win back. But either way, uh, I still thought it was a great series of matches between Jinretsu and All Out. Uh, second feud also features All Out, uh, All Out versus Yoshihiko. I thought it was just fun as hell. A great series of matches on their TV cha- their TV shows between each member of All Out and a fucking doll. Like I, I don't know. Like I know D- like non DT fans probably won't enjoy this as much as I did, but I thought it was like I, I I loved every match they had with Yoshihiko during that little series of matches. 
And uh, Takashita and Yoshihiko is like my favorite DT matches here. And uh, like I said, I think it's definitely a feud only DT fans will appreciate, but I loved it. And uh, my number one is uh, Katsuhiko Nakajima versus Goshizaki. Uh, pretty easy choice. I think it was the best uh, built main title feud in just about any company this year. I think like they went in New Year's as one of the best tag teams of 2019. Go wins the belt. They drop the tag titles basically immediately. And then they lose tag league. And I guess Nakajima got fed up and turned on him. And one happens. And uh, the Yokohama Budokan main event followed right after that. And I thought that was an incredible match. One of the best matches of the year. Like, my only fault is, like, multiple people have already said is that they kind of rushed to it. And I would have loved if they would have, like, extended this out a little bit. But I kind of get why they did. Because they're doing Budokan. I guess they want to run Mudo versus Go. But even with... I think that even though I think they should have extended the feud out a little longer, I still thought it was like the best feud this year. Uh, Mongo, your top three for best feud. Okay. For best feud, I'm sure that I'm the only one who's voting for my third place pick, which is Ricky Shane Page and the state of Ohio versus GCW. Um, the last show I was able to go to before Corona was uh, run Ricky run in Atlantic city and the atmosphere for that, feud and that main event between nick gage and ricky shane page was incredible it, it was like uh an early 2000s czw crowd with especially after the screw job in the main event where everyone is just throwing stuff at the heels and it was just incredible i, I haven't seen heat like that in a long time it was just a very fun very <laughs> like that kind of wrestling uh, feud and I'm sad that uh, COVID and uh, Nick Gage's injury means uh, we didn't get to see the the um, I assume eventual result but maybe it's off the table depending on how injured Gage is. Second um, I have Jericho versus Moxley I, I really like this feud um, maybe partially because of the involvement of the Ford GT uh, I, I thought that was like such a great wacky detail like uh, Moxley just showing up with this GT that he's basically stolen from uh, Jericho and uh, Shad Khan like using his card collection on TV but um, I thought the, the, the angles were really good leading up to it um, Moxley did a great job with the um, the eye patch. And they did a great spot in their blow-off, um, paying that off. I've, I really enjoyed that feud. And uh, first place, the Inner Circle versus the Elite. Like This led to some great like matches. It led to a great, like whatever the stadium stampede was, it was one of the most entertaining things I've seen all year. Um, the, the lots of crazy spots um, leading up to it, like uh, Sammy taking... Uh, <laughs> taking the golf cart right to the head and some of the stuff with Matt Hardy and um, even like even earlier like what it looked like it was going to be building up to um, blood and guts in Newark it was just a really really great feud Um, and I mean I think it's a testament to all the guys that like they were able to transition from this kind of heavy heat like working for you know crowds building up to a blood feud um war games main event and then kind of switched it to like a wackier stunt and uh cinematic uh style feud with the stadium stampede Alrighty, suit what do you have here for your best feud feud of the year for number three i have minor suzuki versus john moxley um that moment when Mo- when uh, suzuki came out 
on night two of Wrestle Kingdom. Like I was staying up watching that live and I was falling asleep. But when Suzuki's music hit, I just popped right up. Like, and from there, it was a short one because like the match was the next month. But it was everything you would want a Suzuki Moxley built up match to be. So I've got that at number three. Number two, I've got the Young Bucks versus Omega and Page. I think this one, it was just a really good, like, it was just a good, like, story with Paige trying to break out on his own but not being, like, confident enough. You've got the Bucks kind of being upset that this guy is, like, they feel like he's disrespecting them. And then you've got Omega caught in the middle, and then it all built up to that match of Revolution where it, it was all just great. You had callbacks to the Bucks being mad about Omega and Ibushi. You had Paige breaking out on his own and in the end getting the win. It was just, it was a very good story that in one match kind of just really all came together. And then in number in number one, in number first, first place, uh, I had John Moxie versus Eddie Kingston. I think this kind of feud, this is AEW at its peak, where you got two guys who are great talkers, and you just let them talk people into the building, and that is what these two did. They it, remember this was coming off of All Out, which was a shaky show, AEW's worst pay-per-view by a margin. And I was pretty cold on the company coming out of uh, All Out. And them building this up and Eddie and Moxley just doing their thing really got me back into things. And it really just got me on this high with AEW again. So number one, Moxley versus Kingston, an example of what AEW really can be in the years come. Uh, so Moxie versus Kingston did indeed win with the guests. Uh, first place, 55 points, and seven first place votes. Second place, I maybe someone mentioned this. I don't think anyone did. Uh, Kaito Ishida versus Keisuke Okuda from Dragon Gate. Uh, that got 46 points with six first place votes. Uh, third place definitely did come up. Go Shiozaki versus Nakajima. Uh, that got 42 points with five first place votes. Uh, then a drop to fourth, which was Naito versus Evil. From New Japan, 15 points with only one first place vote, which was mine, obviously. Uh, and then fifth place, Dangerous Techers versus Golden Ace from New Japan, 14 points with one first place vote. Uh, the patrons decided to go with Techers versus Golden Ace as their winner, uh, overwhelming winner, 50 points. So that was a pretty big jump over to the Patreon uh, awards. And then Moxie versus Kingston finished second over there with 36 points. And another one that got a lot more support with the patrons was Hiromu Takahashi versus El Desperado, and that finished third place with 33 points. Okay, so I'm going to do an executive decision here and say we do Tag Team of the Year next, and then we'll save Match of the Year uh, for our second-to-last one. So my picks for Tag Team of the Year, uh, I went in third place with the team of uh, the Eruption Trio, basically. I went back and back and forth on this. There was a a bunch of different ones that I decided. uh, You know, I I also had... uh, Almost one with their Tommy Hashishida and Saya Kamitani as well. Uh, but I decided to go with Eruption. I really like their work here, um, both in the tag and trios divisions in DDT. So I gave it to the trio of Katsada Higuchi, 
Yu-Gi-Oh! Sakaguchi and Saki Akai. Just thought they were one of the best parts of, uh, you know, of DDT's year. My second place, also from DDT, uh, I always fuck up saying their name, so uh, Natalius, I think, is how the name is pronounced, but Zuki Ueno and Naomi Yoshimura, uh, I went with them in second, just a, a very strong year for them as well, very sad that it ended with a major injury, or time off from injury for Naomi Yoshimura, but I thought they had an outstanding year, and then first place, really, to me, not even close, the dangerous techers of Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr., I mean, just single-handedly, almost, I mean, you know, obviously uh, Ibushi and Tanahashi helped too, but like almost single-handedly revived this tag team division that had just been laying dormant in New Japan, the heavyweight tag division for many years, uh, brought some real excitement to it. Just, I've never seen, I can't remember the last time I saw a tag team that can work heel or face so effortlessly uh, and just be so different at both of them and so so good at both of them like they did throughout the World Tag League. I just thought this was an outstanding tag team, uh, really just... uh, you know, one of my favorite parts of 2020, the Dangerous Techers. Uh, Gerard, what do you have here for best tag team? Uh, number three, I have uh, Jake Lee and Koji Iwamoto. Uh, they started the year off as All Asia Tag Team Champions, has a couple of good title matches. Uh, they teamed throughout the rest of the year, but they really peaked again uh, during the Real World Tag League where they were one of the best teams in the tournament. Uh, number two, I have uh, Chango and Kaiji Tomato, uh, the legendary 2AW team that uh, took the world by storm during the original lockdown back in the sort of spring, uh, back when a lot of people uh, were watching 2AW because it was one of the uh, companies that were still running shows. Um, They sort of ended up breaking up and turning on each other as soon as they lost the 2AW tag team titles. But I will give them uh, points for being uh, something exciting to watch during the uh, lockdown. And my number one tag team of the year are Astronauts, Takuya Nomura and Fubinora Abe. Uh, They finally won the Big Japan tag titles this year. Uh, They had an awesome match uh, back in... October, November, sorry, I can't remember, against um, Strong Hearts, uh, T-Hawk, and Al Lindemann, and they actually managed to drag the aging members of the Twin Towers to a pretty decent match a couple of weeks ago, so their skill is awesome, and they've already had a great 2021 to begin with in their match in All Japan, so they were just the best team um, last year, and I think they're going to be contenders going into 2021 as well. Uh, Harley, what do you have here for Tag Team of the Year? Uh, third place, I really struggled with this one. Really. Oh, sorry, you're breaking up, Harley. Uh... Oh, sorry, sorry, mate. Um, okay, I think you sound better now. Th- third ahead. place, I really struggled this year because I... Yeah, cool. So, for th- yeah, third place, I, I really struggled with this one for this year because I really... I mean, I thought the top two were standouts. I could have picked anyone here, but I actually ended up going with uh, the best friends, uh, Trent and Chucky T. I thought in the first three months of of the lockdown or the no, no fan shows. I thought they were the most consistent part of dynamite, you know, constantly having pretty good matches with teams that don't usually have pretty good matches and, and, you know, culminating in a, a main event in one of those five fest show, a fighter fest shows um, against hangman and, and page. And I thought that was a nice little, little reward for effort for them. And then they also had a really cool feud with proud and powerful again, culminating in that uh, really fun um, backstage straight fight, that they they had. Uh, like, can I just place, can I cut I in because really... I want to say this is kind of funny. There is a tag team yep. called Best Friends in the top ten who finished sixth, but it is Arisa Nakajima not... and Tsukasa Fujimoto <laughs> uh, <laughs> from Jersey. The yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, but um, yeah. So I guess that's two best friends that getting uh, <laughs> getting votes. Uh, 
Um, second place, I went with Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. I thought their peaks were pretty were pretty incredible. There, they were consistently very good. Um, they if if they were teamed for longer than I, I know it's pretty unfair for months, but uh, they probably would have would have run home with it. Uh, but that leads me to uh, my first place, which. I mean, again, pretty hypocritical since they probably only really teamed for six months, but uh, consistently at least. I uh, went with Dangerous Techers in Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, they felt like a big deal. The tag team titles for the first time since I started watching New Japan felt like, you know, a big deal. They semi-main-evented Dominion. They semi-main-evented a stadium show. Again, you know, less capacity, but who cares? And I think they were really right there with uh, Hiromu Takahashi in as the best performing act in that dual uh, World Tag League and Best of the Super Juniors uh, tour that just happened. So that's why I went with uh, Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah, I like. I should have mentioned that too. The World Tag League they brought excitement to it for the first time. What felt like forever. So, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, mean, it's a, it's a low bar, but yeah. they were by far. They had by far the best World Tag League again I've seen since watching New Band. Yeah, indeed. TJ, what do you have here for tag team of the year? Uh, my number three tag team is Dangerous Tuckers. Like these two, pretty much put tag team wrestling back on the map for New Japan for me, with their feud with the over the summer with Golden Ace, and like what I did watch of World Tag League, they were the highlight. But I didn't really watch all of it because I just didn't want to. But um, still, I've enjoyed them all year. And uh, like I said, they made tag team wrestling matter in New Japan. So it'll be really disappointing when they lose the belts to uh, God. And the division goes back to what it was, but hopefully that doesn't happen. Uh, my number two is Astronauts. Uh, they might have snuck into my first place, but I've yet to watch the Twin Towers match, which I hear is pretty good. So maybe that would have bumped them up a little bit. But they were pretty much around all year, having really good matches, both in Big Japan and the Indies. And uh, they've been a very strong. Uh, they've had a very strong uh, title reign so far, including like the match where they won the titles, which is like one of the best tag team wrestle- tag team matches this year with uh, Sakimoto and Sato. And, yeah, it's great stuff from them. And my number one is Nautilus, uh, Naomi Oshimura, and Yuki Oeno from DT. Like, they were, like, far and away my favorite tag team this year. They were consistent all year. And, like, were a focal point of uh, DT this year as a, as a vehicle to get Oeno over. But I still thought they had, like, great matches. Um, like, I thought the Eruption Nautilus double main event in Corkin for, like, both the trios and the tag titles, if you combine them into one match, it's the best tag team match of the year for me. But even at several matches, I thought it was great stuff. But the way they, like, melded in the story from the trios match in the semi-main into the actual tag title match in the main event, just outstanding stuff. And hopefully Naomi comes back soon because I hope they will continue into 2021. But uh, for now, Wayne is doing good stuff with the Universal title, so I can't complain. But, yeah, not all this is my number one tag team this year. Uh, what do you have here for tag team of the year, Mongo? So, in third place, I have the Dangerous Techers. As many people have said, they took a tag te- a heavyweight tag team division, which is n- never that interesting. Um, it hasn't been interesting in many years, and they made it very interesting. They made it a, a hi- highlight of the shows, especially against uh, Ibushi and Tanahashi. And I... I really, like, enjoyed both guys. I think it was, like, a, a really tremendous act. Um... Second place, I have the Young Bucks, who just 
even they had like a three you know a three month period where they weren't really teaming too much because of the lockdowns and I think Nick having his first child. But um, so and I guess it's not fair to say that because Hangman and uh, Omega, who are my number one, also didn't really team for three months this year. But whatever. Um, they they had a you know a great match against FTR. They had the great great match against Hangman and Omega. They had a bunch of crazy TV matches against the Acclaimed and Top Flight, and just an incredible year of TV tag wrestling. But uh, Hangman and Kenny Omega are my tag team of the year, and there's just something about this team. I. I am sad that it had to break up, even though I think the resulting feud will be gr- will be great. Um, just just the way that they could build to their finishes um, was. I, I don't think the Bucks do it as well. I don't think really any team does it as well because they're they just had such a diverse like way to set things up. Where um, you know, hang the 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 uh, V trigger um, buckshot lariat was just a really cool move and could lead to different things. And I don't know, just so many great matches, even if the, the final um, match in their reign against FTR wasn't that great. I think they were one of the highlights of the summer. Uh, they were one of the highlights of the pre COVID period with that great moment when they won the belts on the boat. Just, I thought there was a great year for them. Uh, then what do you got here for me here? Suit. Don't know why I said that so weirdly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, third place, I've got Dangerous Techers. Uh, I'm not as high on them as uh, you guys are, but I still would agree that they have made the uh, New Japan Heavyweight Tag Team Division. They have given it some semblance of life. Um, the Golden Aces matches were very good, and uh, I actually watched some of World Tag League because of them. So there you go. That's a feed in of itself. Um, second, I've got the Young Bucks. Um, they had some really good uh, matches at the start of the year, and then throughout the uh, Daily's Place COVID era, they've done some really good uh, tag stuff. Um, tag stuff, trio stuff, eight-man stuff. And then I wasn't as low on the FTR match uh, as everybody else. Uh, I went four and a quarter on it, so I thought it was pretty good. And then, yeah, the Revolution Tag, which was great as well. And then, uh, in first place, I have the other team in the Revolution Tag match, Omega and Page. Um, I think every match they had in the first two months of the year, which is pretty much every match they had as a team up to that point, uh, is on my sheet. Uh, Both matches with SCU, the one on the boat and the rematch, then the Lucha Brothers match, then the uh, Revolution Tag. Then they uh, broke up for a little bit. And then afterwards, after uh, Hangman came back, after this uh, stadium stampede, they had a lot of solid matches, a lot of three-and-a-half, three-and-three-quarter star matches. So I just think for the highs that they had at the start of the year and the nice middle that they settled into toward the end, uh, I think that's more than good enough for Tag Team of the Year for me. All right, so the team that, that won the award here was the Dangerous Taggers, 85 points, 10 first-place votes. Omega and Page finished second, 69 points, 8 first-place votes. Uh, third place, the Young Bucks, 51 points with 5 first-place votes. 
then Yuki Ueno and Naomi Yoshimura finished fourth, 33 points, five first place votes. And then the Astrodots finished fifth, 18 points, and two first place votes. Uh, the Patreon, very similar, except the Dangerous Techers won by a much bigger margin there, 116 points. Uh, I think the most one sided category of any of these categories in either award set. Uh, Omega and Page still finished second, but far much further behind at 32 points. And then Yoshimura and Ueno finished third with 28 points. Almost caught them for second there. Uh, let's go to Match of the Year, our second to last category here. Uh, for Match of the Year, um, you know, probably not going to surprise anybody with my picks here. Third place, I went with, well, actually this one, I, I was the only one to vote for this match. Uh, Kaito Kiyomiya versus Goshi Ozaki from Noah on January 4th. Um, I just thought this was even better than the more heavily hyped go matches against Nakajima and uh, Sugera towards the end of the year. I mean, I thought this was better than almost all the Wrestle Kingdom matches except for one. Uh, so I just, just a really, really, really outstanding match and a great start to Noah's year and obviously to Go Shiozaki's year as well. Uh, second place, these are my two five-star matches for the year. Uh, Hiromu Takahashi versus El Desperado, the best of the Super Junior Final on December 11th. Uh, just an incredible match. Um, you know, just the the image of Desperado ripping his the rest of his own mask off is going to stick with me for a very long time and just, you know... Uh, a really, really, really outstanding Best of Super Junior Final, probably. I don't know if it's my favorite ever. It's, it's really up there, so, for sure. And the number one, uh, not going to be a big surprise to anybody, Okada versus Naito from January 5th. Um, you know, I just thought this was one of the best matches I've ever seen. I mean, it, it's one of these things where, like, I was going to love Naito getting his big moment even if it wasn't a great match. I mean... You know, I still have very fond memories of him beating Okada at Invasion Attack 2016 to win the title for the first time. And that's not a great match at all, honestly. That's probably like a three-and-a-half-star match or something. And this match was, though, like, they they went out there and just had an all-time classic on top of it. I mean, just, you know, nearly a perfect match. Um, One of my favorite matches of all time. Uh, And just, uh, you know... just everything they did in that match. I mean, you know, Naito's selling of uh, the leg when Okada goes after it. When Okada slams that leg down to the table and, you know, Naito just... Obviously, there's a, there was a way to sell it and the, there was, a lot of wrestlers would have oversold it. But the fact that he knew exactly, you know, the right amount, the right amount to sell that leg injury, uh, you know, really just put that over the top. And the again, the, the, the other great moment that sticks out to me with the leg injury is when he goes to give Okada the Destino, and then, you know, has to sell the leg injury to, you know, like, delay covering him so Okada will kick out. I mean, there are so many wrestlers in wrestling nowadays who would have made it a big fucking ordeal. I can picture Will Ospreay in my head, like, clutching it and fucking screaming to the heavens and, you know, really delaying it for a long time. But Naito just, like, reaches down, he grabs it for, like, Half a second, he sells it, it's in pain, and he goes for the cover. And it's just enough of a delay for Okada to kick out. But he totally does not overdo it at all. Uh, and he's the only guy left who can, like, do it in a, you know, really understated way that still can really connect with you on that level, I think. So, you know, and Okada was awesome here, too. I'm not trying to bury the guy or anything. I mean, he was he was great as just, like, this guy, you know, when, when he works as, like, this uh, unbeatable champion, that's when he's at his best and... You know, very similar performance to him for him uh, as to the the match he had with Shibata in 2017, which again is one of my all-time favorite matches. So, 
yeah, absolutely outstanding match. Easy pick for match of the year. Uh, Gerard, I'll start with you here, and then I'll go back to starting with suit from wrestler of the year, I guess. We'll do that. So, Gerard, go ahead with match of the year. Okay, uh, my number three was Go Shiozaki versus Takashi Sugera from uh, December 6th. Uh, awesome, hard-hitting match. It didn't feel like it went 15 minutes, which I think is really key to what made that match so great. Um, second place, uh, I had Will Ospreay versus Hiromu Takahashi from Wrestle Kingdom 14 Night 1. I thought it was just an incredible spectacle. Uh, them doing all those insane dives to the ropes were wild and just an amazing moment. And that was like Hiromu's first singles match back from his injury, which just sort of showed how incredible he still was and how incredible he was going to be this year. And number one, um, Tetsuya Naito versus Kazuchiko Okada from Wrestle Kingdom 14 Night 2. Uh, John, I think you you know, covered all the bases. Just an incredible moment. And one of, just one of the best moments, quote-unquote moments, when people talk about like the WWE making moments. This was like just one of the best moments in pro wrestling in a long time, I thought. I didn't even mention the fucking Stardust Press either, which is like the greatest. <laughs> when Naito pounds his chest and fucking goes to Stardust Press and... My heart's in my throat because obviously he went for it in 2018 and missed it. And that was the beginning of the end for him. And here he hits it and he pins, he covers him and Okada kicks out anyway. It was just such a great moment where it was like, no, you didn't need the, like, of course you had to hit the desk. You know, you couldn't beat him. If you could beat him with the Stardust Press, you would have beat him in 2014, which you didn't beat him then either. So just an all time great moment as well. Uh, Harley, what is your match of the year picks here? Uh, at third place, I went Goshizaki versus Takashi uh, Segura. Um, I think just the the fifteen the fifty minutes as well. Like I mean, as, as Gerard said, it didn't feel like fifty minutes, but just knowing it went fifty minutes, and in the context of the back half, especially of Goshizaki's year, where he's been held together by tape, and just just having to go through another grueling, uh, you know, world title match like that. Um, that that sort of tipped it over the edge for some of the others that were just you know around that 4.75 uh, stars mark for me. Um, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus Young Bucks from Revolution uh, comes in at second place. I thought the in ring was pretty was pretty incredible. It hit all the right story beats without drifting into NXT main event z- uh, zone. Uh, plus, just like how how over Hangman was, and and that also leads me to the Chicago crowd being awesome, which is just again sorely missed in uh, now it's 2021. Um, and the, also the first place, I unsurprisingly have gone Tetsuya Naito versus Kazuchika Okada from January five, the best match I've ever seen, leading to the best moment uh, in wrestling I've I've ever experienced. Uh, the Stardust Press was incredible. Just, just the when when Naito pins him and he's on his back and just the the winner sign comes up with with the you know um, the what's his music called? Is it just Stardust? With just that starting to bang, yeah. people are in tears, waiting to hear finally the the big roll call and then Kenta coming out. Just the whole presentation from from the the pre match uh, um, promo to the end of. Ken just sitting on his chest was just like incredible, incredible, incredible pro wrestling. So that's why that is my uh, first place match of the year. There you go. TJ, what is your match of the year picks? Uh, my third place is something probably only I voted for because if you know me, you know why I voted for this. It is Suwama versus Shotaro Shino from the Old Japan TV. Uh, I think it was like match eight from uh, June 30th. 
personally, I thought this was the best match of the No People era. Like, partially just because I'm a no guy. Like, I'm, if you know my history, I'm like the Wrestle One English guy for a little bit. And Ashino is just my guy. And it was the middle of his push in All Japan. I was bright eyed and bushy tails, very excited for his future in All Japan. Not so much anymore, but like, I honestly thought he was going to win, but unfortunately he didn't. But I went into this unspoiled, so I was very excited anyway. But I don't know. I just love the match in general anyway. Like, him and Suwama have incredible chemistry, which has continued in all of their meetings since. It's probably so high for me just because of the emotional investment I had into the match. But I, either way, I still thought it was a great match. And like, if you like simple, hard-hitting wrestling and a ton of suplexes, I think you should watch this. I can confirm, by the way, you were the only one who voted for it, just if you're wondering. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm fucking Oceano Mark, so it is what it is. Um, there seems like they're running it back, so I'm a little worried about that. But we'll see. If it's anything as good as like this match, I think I'll enjoy it, even if Oceano probably loses again. Uh, my number two match is uh, Hermit Takahashi versus El Desperado. Obviously, the uh, best junior final. Again, another Hermit is my, also my guy. He's like literally my favorite wrestler ever since I started watching it. So, of course, I was going to pick this one. But I think most importantly, for just given that context, I think this is my favorite Hermit match I've ever watched. There's a ton of history throughout like within the match uh that was great wrestling anyway and it had my favorite moment of the year with uh despy losing his mask and my, my number one pick is goshi Ozaki versus uh, takashi sugira which uh, it's already been mentioned enough so i won't go too much into it but it's pretty much between this and uh, nakajima for my favorite uh go match of his entire reign but i kind of went through this i was more invested in the nakajima match but overall i thought it was a better match and i, I don't know i just love guys being the shadow of each other and like they said, the 50 minutes, it blew by very quickly. It did not drag at all for me. So, yeah, that's my number one match of the year. Alrighty, Mongo, what do you have here for match of the year? Okay, for match of the year, I have in third place Mayu Iwatane versus Takumi Aroha from um, February. This match was so good that the follow-up was my most anticipated match of the year and unfortunately i think the the lack of cheering fans kind of took that down it was still a great match but it could not live up to this one especially like the last five minutes of this match are some of the most brutal hard-hitting stuff you've ever seen with some of the best like desperation counters from uh, mayu iwatane to like try and barely um you know put away this monster who's just destroying her um just an absolute war i love this match um and i i hope we get another one (laughs) just so good um in second place i have uh naito versus okada versus from uh wrestle kingdom night two I was shocked when people after these shows were saying they thought uh some some people were saying they thought uh Okada versus Ibushi was the better better match. This one to me was just so incredibly dramatic from, you know, the Stardust Press to I mean this incredible moment that was the finish. I mean it, for anyone who doesn't think that this was wasn't an incredible moment, look how mad people were that Kenta came out later and ruined the moment. I mean, Naito winning was just absolutely amazing. This match was incredible. Um and in first place, I guess everything I picked was from pre-COVID, even though there were a lot of matches that I considered post-COVID. Um, 
match of the year was Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus the Young Bucks from AEW Revolution. Um, just one of the one of the best tag matches I've ever seen. Maybe, maybe the best tag match I've ever seen. I don't know. Um, if you like this style of match, I can't imagine there being a better match. Um, the the oh, I mean, the only possible flaw I could come up with is that the finish was never in doubt to me. Although for a lot of people, seem to think that the Young Bucks were going to win. Um, but this was just the peak of what the AEW or the Young Bucks, that, that Kenny Omega style of match can be um, just incredible. And uh, really great announcing, too. I will give you the possible flaw. I hate the fucking, uh, we don't want to do wrestling moves on our opponents in a wrestling match shit. That's like my least favorite uh, wrestling storyline. I mean, they did the same thing in New Japan the year before, and it was probably not as bad here as it was during that uh the new japan tag but the, the, i hate that storyline so there's my flaw <laughs> uh suit what is your what are your picks for match of the year match of the year number three i have hiromu takahashi versus will osprey from january 4th uh, wrestle kingdom night one a uh, great comeback for hiromu never lost a step it was a nice button on will osprey's great 2019 that he could come into wrestle kingdom and just finish off the i guess the fiscal year for lack of a better term with a great match at wrestle kingdom and yeah just a sign of things to come for both guys because they've both been very great uh match number two second place kenny omega and hangman page versus the young bucks um as someone who's like unintentionally ended up following hangman's career like i didn't like see this guy in ring of honor in 2014 and be like oh that guy's a blue chipper but i saw him and i've seen him grow and to see him end up as like i guess the star of this match which is insane with the three guys that are in it with him is just it's cool to see and it's cool to see uh how over he was and hopefully how over he'll still be. And, you know, I'm excited to see where he goes. And then, yeah, the match was just, it was fantastic. And if you follow these guys from new Japan to AEW and you were invested in it, then there's not too much better than that. You'll see, I think. And then number one, I mean, this is going to be funny coming from me who was just talking about, like, investment. Number one is uh, Toriyama Generation versus R.E.D. from Final Gate 2020, uh, December 20th, the Unit Disbands match. Uh, I had just started watching Dragon Gate, like, a month or two before, so I had no, like... I didn't have any of the context of uh, Toriyama Generation. Like, I just knew Toriyama were the guys who started... You know, the whole dragon system. And R.E.D. are these scumbag heels. Two of them are younger than me. Just ready to tear the whole thing down. And I have been wanting to get into Dragon Gate for a long time. Because they talk about, like, how... Like, Dragon Gate fans talk about how, like, they do drama better than almost any other wrestling company on Earth. And to have that hype payoff in this scenario where at the end of that match Dragon Kid's face 
not his face, his mask torn off. Uh, SB Kento with the uh, SB shooter locked on. Everybody gets held back. And it just paid off all of that hype. Like, I'm all in now on Dragon Gate. And it's because of this match. Tori Mon Generation versus R.E.D. First place. Match of the year for me. Alrighty. So the winner here was Naito versus Okada by a very wide margin here. Uh, 81 points, 13 first place votes. Uh, second place, Kenny Omega and Adam Page against Nick and Matt Jackson uh, from Revolution had 41 points and three first place votes. So this was the second biggest uh, margin of victory for any match we've had so far in the four years of the awards. Uh, third place, Goshi Ozaki versus Sugera from Noah, 34 points with three votes, three first place votes. Uh, fourth place, Go versus Nakajima from Noah, 20 points with three first place votes. And fifth place, the R.E.D. versus Toriumon Unit Must Disband match with 19 points and two first place votes. Uh, the Patreon, pretty similar. Uh, the only difference is, again, not as high on AEW, I guess. Uh, Naito versus Okada with an even more overwhelming win. Uh, on the Patreon side with 107 points in first place. Then Shiozaki versus Nakajima, second place for 29 points, and Shiozaki versus Sugera in third place with 17 points. So those two flip-flop as well. Uh, finally, we're at rest of the year here, our final category. Uh, so for this one, um, you know, pretty simple for me. I went with the three uh, top champions in Japan who I thought all had outstanding years. And, you know, really, this was a really, really close award for me. I thought all three of these guys were awesome. Uh, third place, Goshiozaki and Noah. Um, I'm sure many of you are going to have him much higher, so I'm not going to go too long on him, but he had an outstanding year as GHC heavyweight champion and really just like the best run of his career and revitalized Noah, uh, especially among Western fans like people have talked about. Uh, second place, Tetsuya Endo. Uh, I just thought he did an amazing job as KOD champion. Um, you know, just really, uh, you know, has had a great run with that title. And, you know, really brought, like, a lot of uh, my interest back in DDT when it, it had been wavering a little bit early in the year. With the, I wasn't as big on the Masaru Tanaka stuff as some other people were. But I just thought Endo was an incredible champion and just had a, you know, really, really strong second half of the year. And first place, I went with Tetsuya Naito, um, you know, for reasons other people have kind of covered, but, you know, with talking about him earlier. But I thought his G1 was awesome. I didn't hate the Evil Feud at all. I actually liked it a lot. Um... And, you know, the, the stuff at the start of the year, I mean, just uh, not just the Okada match, which is one of my favorite matches of all time, but the Kenta feud was awesome. And as I talked about a lot in my um, ebook profile for the Voice of Wrestling New Japan ebook, which also put up as a column, I just think he was, you know, I mean, it's his year was hurt by COVID, that's for sure. I mean, everything was hurt by COVID, but I think he was the perfect guy to have in there as as a champion uh, during COVID because, you know, the, the message of, you know, we're waiting together for this to be over, you know, calm down, tranquilo. I mean, it really does fit with his overall message, you know, as a wrestler. And, you know, he he, he mopped up the year-end awards in Japan. I mean, not just the Tokyo Sports MVP, but he's apparently way ahead in the weekly pro wrestling uh, MVP vote, which is a, a fan vote. So, you know, if you look at these shows in the crowd, I mean, most of the people there always seem to be really strong, like really into Naito, holding up the Naito towels and stuff. So, you know, I think there's uh, very little evidence that no matter what uh, anyone listening to this might think of Naito's year, I think he very much was remained very popular 
and helped carry the company through what was a very difficult time. So, you know, I went with him as wrestler of the year here. Uh, and I should mention too, wrestler of the year, uh, for, for people who don't know, it's supposed to be the mix of in-ring, but also drawing power, star power, uh, importance to the promotion, you know, MVP quality and other intangible factors. Uh, and the crowd he drew, I mean, the drawing power stuff is not going to be as big of a deal this year because of COVID, but pre-COVID, I mean, that, that crowd that he and Kenta did, you know, over 11,000 people at Osaka Joe Hall was by far the biggest crowd New Japan's ever done for a B show like New Beginning in Osaka, which, you know, I think that's a way bigger accomplishment than I think people even give, gave him credit for there. So, uh, Suit, what do you have here for a wrestler of the year? For wrestler of the year, number three, I went with the gamer. Um, I feel like, you know, I've lauded over his tag team run. Uh, he had a lot of sneaky good single stuff this year. I don't, I don't even think anyone's brought up the match with Pac, the hang, the uh, Iron Man match. Uh, he had the first good like empty arena match this year against Sammy Guevara for the AAA uh, Mega Heavyweight Title. I think that was, I think that was the first show post COVID. So he had that, and then throughout the year just doing trio stuff with the Young Bucks. Eight-man tag stuff with Hangman, uh, his single stuff at the, the end of the year. I think he's just been a constant solid in the upper mid card. And now that he's got the world title, I expect that to continue in the main event in 2021. Uh, second place, I went with Hiromu Takahashi. Uh, yeah, he's just been my highlight of New Japan uh, from the start of the year through the through the empty arena stuff to now i mean you could basically just pick anything you want the osprey match the ishii match the desperado match it's all been great and he is just he's been my number one in new japan for a while so i'm excited to see him and ishimori uh on tuesday yeah on tuesday if he beats you okay <laughs> okay <laughs> just saying <laughs> And then number one from my wrestler of the year, this guy has been the MVP of his promotion. I think he has been the template of what a babyface world champion in a promotion should be. My number one is John Moxley from the Jericho feud to the Brian Cage feud to the Luke, to the Brody Lee feud to what else? Okay, the MJF stuff wasn't great, but the match was ended up being pretty good. And then the Omega stuff at the end of the year. Like, he has been... Like, if every babyface champion was this and not the, hey, I'm going to do open challenges because we can't think of anything kind of babyface champion, I'd be a lot happier. I think Moxley put AEW on his back through a really tough time. All of his matches were... Close to notebook level, if not almost there, like in the three and a half, three and three quarter, four star range. And yeah, I just think he's been fantastic on the mic. So just overall, John Moxley, my wrestler of the year. Alrighty, Mongo, wrestler of the year. Okay, number three, I have, I guess I'm picking up where Suit left off. I have John Moxley at number three. Um, for many of the same reasons, even though I don't have him quite as high, I think he was the perfect babyface, but babyface with an edge champion and um, and 
to start the year challenger but um just great promos up and down not like match of the year level matches but still really good to great title defenses and even that win over jericho i thought was a tremendous match and especially like really fantastic finishes just really memorable finishes to his matches like um like the brody lee match with that choke and um the the stuff with kingston i thought he was just really really good at putting together dramatic finishes and again, like he kept interest in a promotion that was going through, you know, a, a time that you know was completely uncharted and still a new promotion. And he managed to make the this new title seem important. Um, second place, I have uh, Mayu Iwatane. Uh, also, you know, a promotion that was going through very turbulent times and. I was just amazed by her performances this year. She was a really tremendous champion and really kept my own personal interest in stardom. Um, where with you know Moxley and Omega, I kind of have an idea of how business is for AEW and how they personally may have moved ratings or um, may have you know possibly influenced pay per view buys or whatever. Uh, with I don't really know how stardom is doing right now or was doing at the end of her reign, but I. I, I guess it's good that they're going to run uh, a scaled down Budokan, to, um, you know, in March, if if that's even allowed to happen at this point. Who knows? Um, but I thought she was tremendous um, in the ring and just like as as champion, just a really great year for her. And in first place, I have the gamer Kenny Omega. I I've already said why I thought he was great in the ring and as everything else in wrestling, I thought. I, I mean, just business-wise, he got, you know, twice as many people to watch TNA one week than would ever dare watch TNA in uh, the year of our Lord 2020. Um, I like Whenever he was in a big match on a pay-per-view, it seemed to mean something. He seemed to do better than um, average quarters and was, you know, in, in shows where there'd be a big Moxley match and a big Kenny segment it seemed like Kenny would win out most weeks in terms of who had more viewers. Um, just overall made those tag titles something really important. I know some people weren't too high on SCU and you know thought they were just kind of placeholder champions, and they were, but uh, Kenny and Hangman made those belts really important. And uh, like Suit said, Kenny was maybe the MVP of American wrestling in the uh, the lockdown era. That match with Sammy Guevara was tremendous. And he was just doing a lot of things. He was all over that TV. And, uh, I mean, it was a, a really important time for that company because you, you were missing a lot of people. And Kenny really stepped up. Um, so I think from a business standpoint and an in-ring standpoint, it was it was great. Uh, TJ, wrestler of the year. Uh, for wrestler of the year, my third pick is Hiromu Takahashi. Like I voted for him in most outstanding for my second place. So obviously, in ring it was great all year. But I'm putting him in MVP because he was the focus throughout the year for New Japan. He retired Liger, had two great title matches to kick off the year, had his great New Japan Cup run in the and once things returned. I was one of the few people that did watch that. Uh, video that y'all mentioned earlier about him ahead of the evil feud and i thought his honestly i think his feud with evil was better than naito's feud with evil even though i enjoyed both but and then his best his best super was just great and 
as I mentioned before, he had basically everyone's best match. I think the only match of his, like only two matches of his best super senior, I didn't put on my spreadsheet was up there on my list and Cho, which I was very down compared to many people. But, um, but yeah, he was like, I'm not as down on New Japan as many people are. I think it could be better, but it was fine. But he was one of the few things that I did get really invested in this year from New Japan. It was really just him and Tekker, so he's kind of the reason I picked him. Uh, that's kind of the reason I picked him for third, just because not just me. It seemed like even people on the on this call, uh, he was one of the reasons people were invested in New Japan this year. Uh, my number two pick was Tetsuya Endo. I thought he was consistent throughout the year, but never really had a match of the year contender other than his match with Tanaka. But even then, like it was like a lower end kind of thing. Even so, he was a focus of the promotion throughout the year, winning just about everything in DDT you can, and it, like, at least felt like that. And I thought his title reign was very strong, and they used him as a catalyst to push guys like Higuchi and Ueno, who I think are going to have great 2021. So just for importance of the promotion, I think Endo was very important for DDT in 2020. And my number one pick was Go Shizaki. I thought Go's title reign was one of the best, if not the best title reign I've gotten to witness in real time. It's pretty much between Go, Okada's long reign, and uh, Takeda's like Freedom Big Japan dual run. I, I thought all of his matches were at minimum good, but like literally the only the matches of his like his actual title matches that weren't on my spreadsheet were the Saito match, which I still thought was really good. I enjoyed it a lot, and uh, the Marufuji match. But if you listen to my podcast, I'm very down on Marufuji a lot, even though he had a couple good matches and then one, but whatever. But I don't know. I like, dude's going to show up on, like, three times three times on my match of the year list, and it feels like there's a renewed interest in Noah this year and his title reign and just in feud with Nakajima in general. I think he's a large part of it. So, all things considered, I think he is a clear MVP for me. All righty. Uh, Harley, your wrestler of the year picks. Uh, for third place, I went Hiromu Takahashi. He's the uh, face of a junior division while also being a part of one of the better heavyweight title feuds this year in New Japan. He's also elevated the junior title to a point where now it's going to uh, semi-main event at Tokyo Dome show. And I know that this year, again, it doesn't mean as much as, as other years, but it's still a massive accomplishment, I think, for him. Uh, second place, I stand by all my previous picks, except for this one. I don't know what I was thinking here. I think I was just blinded by by the love I have for this man. Uh, I went Ishii again. I don't know why. He was my most outstanding wrestler of the year. I think here I probably should have put Naito, but I, I think... Harley, I, I will change that vote for you if you want. Can you do that? <laughs> I can do whatever the fuck I want. It's my awards. Yeah. Well, yeah, can you do that? I think it was a mix between not wanting to look like a homer, not wanting to... Uh, and also... You can't really judge his drawing ability for nine months of this year as well. Um, and I don't think New Japan also helped him as well. I mean, they put him in the worst block, even though I had him averaging four star matches in that B block for the G1. Um, so, yeah, I'm not, I don't know why I went with Ishii. Uh, but but sir, now you went, so, no, now you went with Naito. No, I went with Naito. There you go. So that leads me to my number one. And, <laughs> and I actually, actually I'm, people are probably going to like think, I, I seriously did do that. It actually doesn't change. Uh, it doesn't change the order at all. It actually, he, Naito still fits in the exact same spot. But I went and added your three. Oh, good, 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 good. Yeah, I went and added your three points just because I thought that. 
that was fine. Oh, yeah, good. as long as that doesn't... <laughs> it doesn't ruin... change the... No, it, it puts him a little no. closer to second, but it doesn't actually put him into second. <laughs> okay, well, that's, that's, I'm, I'm glad then. Um, at first place, I went with Kenny Omega. I mean, he had a great year with the tag titles. Uh, I really elevated those. He's uh, a ratings drawer. The end of the year especially, you know, he brought some buzz to, to Impact. He brought... a some buzz to AEW. I thought his heel turn was executed pretty, pretty perfectedly to the point where Dave Meltzer didn't know he was a face or a heel. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess people have already spoken about Kenny Omega enough, but yeah, he was my wrestler of the year this year. Uh, what do you have here, Gerard? Gerard? Uh, yeah. Uh, number three, I have uh, Mayu Iwatana. Atani, uh, as Mongo said, uh, she carried the promotion during some tumultuous times and as they were trying to create some new stars. And uh, actually, one of my favorite moments of the year is at the No People Gate show when she decides to roll down the stairs of the Korokin uh, stands. Uh, number two, I have uh, Hiromu Takahashi. I mean, just an incredible year, arguably the most charismatic wrestler out there today. Uh, I mean, so much has already been said about him already. And number one, uh, uh, for me, Go Shiozaki. Yes, I also had him in my worst match of the year, but I thought his highs were incredible. Like the whole like his arms about to fall off story that he carried from like the late summers through the N one and everything was just incredible. He carried himself like an ace the entire time with like that uh, like uh, new outfit that he debuted all the way back in January. So it was just an incredible year for him, and he's my number one. Uh, and Go Shiozaki did indeed win. He actually won this by the biggest margin we've ever had. Uh, it was only 12 points, but, like, this award every year for us has been really close. Uh, it was seven points, Okada over Naito in 2017. Four points, Takeda over Tanahashi in 2018. And then only three points in 2019, Osprey over Okada. But this was our biggest margin ever. So, Go Shiozaki, 78 points, nine first-place votes in first place. John Moxley in second, 66 points, 10 first-place votes. Tetsuya Naito now 63 points with... Uh, the addition of Harley's <laughs> three points that I talked him into doing. But yeah, it's 63 points, four first place votes, still finishes third. The Gamer, Kenny Omega, finishes fourth, 52 points, five first place votes. And Hiromu Takahashi does sneak into fifth here, 30 points, one first place vote, uh, and quite a big drop from fifth to sixth after that. So uh, the Patreon, very similar except swiping, uh, swapping second and third. So Goshiozaki still wins with 87 points. Naito finishes a much closer second with 79 points, and Moxley finishes well back in third with 39 points, but still pretty impressive considering I got the vibe throughout the entire uh, awards for the Patreon side that my patrons don't like AEW that much. So Moxley must have been really good to break through with them into third here. Uh, But yeah, that'll do it, folks, and we've gone pretty long, so let's do some very quick plugs. Uh, Suit, go ahead. What do you want to plug here? At Suit Williams on Twitter and the Smart Sports Podcast on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. Awesome, uh, Mongo. Mongo, are you there, Mongo? I guess I had myself muted. <laughs> when... <laughs> um, Mongo underscore ebooks on Twitter and um, the Monumental Podcast. Wherever you find your podcast, the one that's about wrestling, not the one that's about real estate. We recently did a really incredible interview with Pelly Primo. If you like Golden Age ROH, definitely go listen to that. All right, TJ. Yeah, so if you want to follow me, you can do so at ASPIR underscore. And I'm 
do the One Wrestling Podcast. This week, we're going to be talking about all of the shows from this past weekend. Just general overall, overall thoughts. Uh, both All Japan Corrigans, DDT, probably Tokyo Joshi, at least Wrestle Kingdom both nights. We'll see anything else, but those are like the main topics. So uh, check us out if you want to watch some more wrestling. Um, me and my uh, co-host, Caitlin. So if you want to get a female voice in wrestling, come check us out. Uh, Harley? Uh, no real need to follow me on Twitter, but uh, buy the ebook and read my reviews. There you go. Gerard? Um, at Gerard Detroit on Twitter, although I don't really tweet much these days, but please read my All Japan coverage at VoicesOfWrestling.com. I'm still doing it, even after all of this, although I've been somewhat reinvigorated by the first couple shows of the year, so I'm still going to be sticking with it. It was two two really good main events. I mean, I would yeah, have to say. for sure. Four stars and four and a half. I mean, a really good start to the year. But I thought the two shows last year were really good, too, and then they fell off a cliff. So I guess we'll have to say. Yeah. Uh, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Russell Omakase, Wrestling When I'm Fit. Uh, check out the Wrestling Omakase Patreon, patreon.com slash Wrestling Omakase. Uh, it'll be $5. You can listen to the Wrestle Kingdom uh, live coverage at the end of each show, uh, which will be kicking off like the moment the show ends. And if, even if you're not up and to watch it live, uh, you'll get early access to that coverage. On You can listen to it on demand on YouTube uh, and before I put it up as the next free episode which will be next week's episode when, uh, if you're not a patron, you'll be able to listen to our Wrestle Kingdom reviews uh, combined next Saturday. It's probably when that'll go up. So that'll be coming up in the near future. Uh, you know, of course, check out the Voice of Wrestling New Japan ebook. I wrote a ton of profiles on there. Uh, a very long rebuttal of people who hate evil. So check that one out. Uh, my Naito profile is up on the website too. So just a ton of really cool stuff uh, in that ebook. And I put together the top 25 New Japan matches of the year too. So, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff in that ebook. Uh, and that'll do it, folks. Thank you as always for listening. And I will see you next time.